Welcome to Wizard Team, a Harry Potter cast for true Potterheads. Usually each week we discuss a chapter from the Harry Potter series, but today we're doing something a little different. I'm Bayana. And I'm Robin. Today we're doing another bonus episode, episode 48 and two sips. Two sips? The Marauders. Joining us for this conversation is Connie. Hi, Connie. Yo, yo, yo. I'm back, guys. <laughs> So we want this podcast to be interactive, and we want to know your thoughts, so you can use the hashtag WizardTeam on Twitter to follow along. Um, you can also tag and follow us at WeBlackAndNerds on Twitter. Submit to Hogwarts BSU and imagine life as a Black Hogwarts student. If you'd like to submit, check out our website for the guidelines. Love our blog, love Wizard Team. have a few extra galleons lying around. Um, you can donate to Black Girls Nerd Out. We have all of these awesome things we want to do, but we don't have money to do them, and... We should just, you know, it would be awesome if we did. Um, if you could go to blackgirlsnerdout.com forward slash donate, you can find all the ways we take donations. And you should the, do that. Yeah, you should totally do that. Um, as we are recording this, we're getting, we're packing up and stuff for London. As you are hearing this, we're in London. And, nope, no, we're not. Mm-mm. We're about to go to London still. Yeah. I it's, not it. it's not that timey wimey. It's not that timey wimey. We're used to that now. I know. I'm gonna, we're gonna like actually be back on schedule. I'm like, it's timey wimey. It's timey wimey for so long. Um, but yeah, so as we're recording this, we're gearing up to go to London, and you know, time is tough. So any donations are so just you know, just bless us, and we will. We, we, we are appreciative. Anywho, subscribe to our newsletter. Most weeks we collect the nerd news and things that are making us happy and and getting us excited to be the nerds that we are. Keeping I guess keeping us excited to be the nerds that we are, and we share that with you. So you can go to our website, blackgirlsnerdout.com, and subscribe to our newsletter. We don't have any news since it's a bonus episode. We'll just talk about news in well, yeah, in the next um, like regular episode, we'll discuss. That kind of stuff. So, um, happy birthday. No, happy birthday, Neville. Happy birthday, Neville. Yes. Happy birthday, Neville. <laughs> That's it, right? Let's let's do this. Okay. <laughs> We're going to talk about the Marauders. So, when we first meet the Marauders in The Prisoner of Azkaban, it's very much a glorified version of what, like, their depiction is very much glorified, um, both by, like, the narrator and, I mean, I guess, and Fred and George pretty much everyone um we first see like find out that they even exist um in chapter 10 yeah chapter 10 um where they're very much like i don't know masters of mischief or whatever um but <laughs> they everything i don't know it's, it's like i was saying it's glorified so everything is like this is really awesome and really clean cut and like they're it's not complicated um, like their later stuff is when we find out how they like ended up, but just the basic stories that are told about how they were as kids, um, is very much like fantasy and like the stuff it's of legend. Very uh, mythical, yeah. Yeah. So there's a mythology to the Marauders that is different from the reality of the Marauders. Mm-hmm. And so like that's kind of one of the things that happens with these books in general is that we get a lot of the mythology first. Um, and a lot of things are just kind of like clean cut um, and straightforward. And then in later books or later chapters too, because I feel like Prisoner of Azkaban kind of does it in general, just with like their themes in general. 
Um, well, yeah, their whole theme of Sirius Black, it starts off very clean cut, and then you find out that it's actually not what it was. Um, so I feel like, yeah, I think Prisoner of Azkaban is really the one that kind of introduces that as, like, a thing, where it's like, these things are actually more complicated than you were originally told, and so it's, in a way, kind of, like, unreliable narrator, but then I think it's also just, like, hey, watch out for, or, like, pay attention to, like, where you're getting your information from, I guess. Um, which is kind of a theme throughout the books, even with the characterization of um, the Daily Prophet as a character. Because, mm-hmm. you know, there's, we, we get to meet Rita Skeeter next book, um, and she's one, but she's only one cog in the Daily Prophet machine. And we hear from, when we do hear from Fudge and things, he talks about the Daily Prophet as like this kind of its own character, right? Even though we know that the, the, the number of people that go into creating media entities, it's not just one person, but they kind of like a, a paper has its own voice. And, you know, the blog has a separate voice from Diana and myself. It, and it does not. It does. Hamilton, who lives, who dies, who tells your story. You know, mm-hmm. you have no control who tells your story. <laughs> you have no control how that mythology gets created and how it lasts throughout. So the um, and the really great thing about I think Prisoner of Azkaban, um, which is why it's the best book. Um, <laughs> arguably, <laughs> arguably best. Yeah. But, um, it's really one, Diana. <laughs> I mean, okay. That doesn't mean anything. Like, yeah. No, I know. So, but I'm, the the it's a great a great aspect of Prisoner of Azkaban is this like we're meeting the infamous the myth, mythological marauders through the map and through the mischief of um of the map and you know the the wit and Fred and George talking how they've introduced it to Harry at the same time that we're meeting the actual marauders and where they are actually in life now. And as we get to know them more and more, both through the map and through um, Harry's eyes, we get to see that, like you said, it's, it's not black and white. There's more gray to it. And I think what's really interesting too is the different perspectives and lenses that we get to see them through because we get to see them through the lens of the map through mm-hmm. um the lens of you know the mass mur- notorious mass murderer uh serious black which i guess is more of a cultural zeitgeist of serious black i guess is the right way to say that um through the remembrances of remus who is loved by harry and through the remembrances of snape who is not so we and and we have to piece together from all of these kind of unreliable narr- narrators who they actually are. Mm-hmm. This book is brilliant. <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, like, like we were talking about just kind of like, it. I feel like it kind of goes in stages where it's like, we talked about the mythological aspect of it, and then... Um, and then it goes into, like, the nostalgia, kind of, like, the, it's, like, the, I mean, low-key, the end of Prison of Azkaban is, like, a high school reunion a little bit, just mm-hmm. way more fucked up, yeah. but, um, <laughs> so then it goes to, like, the nostalgia, and then we kind of get that as, like, what, and then that becomes, like, what it is, 
until we get to Order of the Phoenix, you know what I mean? Um, and then that's when we get, like, the opposing view. And, I mean, we already, we kind of talked about this already. Like, obviously, when you talk about the Marauders, you have to talk about Snape. Um, and I mentioned it in, like, that one time I missed a post and then I um, talked about Order of the Phoenix, but about how, like, I don't, like, and we talked about it in a pot in one of the episodes, too. Like, just, like, not, I don't believe, it's not believable to me that Snape was bullied by the Marauders. Yeah. Um, Mm-hmm. just based off of, like, his own skill level. And, like, sure, he has his own insecurities and whatever, so does, like, any other 15-year-old. Um, but, like, based off of just his skill level, based off of the things that he was interested in, the, like, the he, the people he hung out with, um, and, like, mm-hmm. sure, like, the Marauders were trash. But, they, but you know what I mean? Like, but so was he. <laughs> like, yeah. When we go and we get to um, that chapter, Escape's Worst Memories. Um, I think one of the things that we like, just, and, and not just like, not us, but like we as a, I don't know. Fandom? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say like as a, like, whatever. I was going to get real like philosophical and shit. It doesn't make sense. Um, yeah, as a fandom, tends to kind of like, and actually just in general too, people conflate like memory with like, with like actual facts or like with history and so we're seeing a lot sorry to cut you off no go ahead ahead. i was just gonna say i've been noticing like the way that you even just worded that like we're seeing that so much with even the election and um michelle obama said what i thought very like duh was like i live in a house that was built by slaves and there's this, like, uproar mm-hmm. about, like, how that's not true or something. And I'm like, how? Like, that's a fact. Like, yeah. that's a verifiable <laughs> fact. Right. I mean, and, it's very, why- and it, Yeah, it's very Make America Great Again, where it's, like, the nostalgia of what was before, where it's, like, but it wasn't great before <laughs> for lots of people. Yeah, but also people. just kind of, like, how dangerous it is to kind of, downplay because of your feelings or something like oh it wasn't that bad or blah 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 and then you get all of these people who don't know actual facts and are upset when they're brought up like right but then like they don't know the facts not only do they not know the facts but they conflate like their own feelings about it with like with fact yeah they don't actually have a relationship with facts and i mean i don't i don't like operate on the idea like i do think that there are things that are just true. I don't operate on the idea that, like, people inherently can be, like, objective, um, mm-hmm. which is, like, kind of the point about the Pensieve is that we see these things happen a lot through the Pensieve, um, but we get it from the perspective of these people. So, like, obviously everything that they see, and I think the most, like, drastic um, example of, the, of that is in Half-Blood Prince when um, Slughorn, Slughorn has that, like, tampers with that memory um, about him like telling Voldemort about Horcruxes um but and so like that's the most like exaggerated and like extreme version of that but I still feel like like people tamper with their memories it doesn't have to be some like it doesn't have to be some like spell and like hella extra thing that you do it's just a thing it's just a thing people do even if they don't tamper with it it changes and so it's not going to be the pure facts of what actually happened just because you put it in some like not like sentient little like bowl that you can like <laughs> visit and like jump in. It's not, and so that was the thing that I think I said um, when I was like tweeting about the about Order of the Phoenix is like go, well, as dope as like the Pensieve is, it's not time travel. Yeah. Um, 
you're not going back in time. And it's like mm. the same thing also in Chamber of Secrets. Um, there's similar magic in that diary. And when Harry goes back, mm-hmm. um, he sees exactly what Tom Riddle wants him to see, not what actually happened. Yeah. And, and so that's know what's actually really or funny. Just with it's, anyone. Yeah, it's really funny because I was having this conversation today where I found out um, that Audrey Hepburn is not Catherine Hepburn's daughter. And my boss was like, Robin, really? Like, Audrey Hepburn is British. And I was like, I, I just told myself. I don't even, like, and once it was, like, once I was confronted with that, I was like, yeah, why did I think that? Like, I told, I told myself when I was really young, I guess, and I and Google exists, but I never I just took it back. <laughs> you never questioned. And I never questioned it. Like, and then when I was like it. when when it when I was questioned, like she was like, "Are you joking?" And I was looking, and I was like, well, "How did I come to that conclusion?" <laughs> I, I mean, no one ever talked about not. them being related, and I just took it as like, "Yeah, no one talks about it because obviously, you know what I right. mean." Like, <laughs> Um, and she's like, the she's British. And I was like, I just thought she was always taking British roles. And she's, you know, like, Catherine Hepburn has a very strange, like, um, East Coast kind of accent. It, but, no, it's not British, yeah. but it's like this weird East Coast affectation. Old timey. Huh? Yeah. Almost like but, old timey a little bit. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. Like, she's my darling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so I just was like, yeah, they just talked weird then, and so she was like the early Madonna. She just decided she was British, and okay, like, and it's really funny because I feel like that is kind of similar to like Snape. Like, I feel like at a certain point in Snape's life, he decided he was bullied. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he decided. I mean, all... Yeah. Because I mean, we all do it. We can all tempt like mess with our own minds because if you're told a story that I've imagined it and then it becomes like a weird form of your memory where you're like oh yeah that time I was sitting in the crib I don't remember that but I've been told that story so often from other people like oh you were so cute in the crib by the window like okay and then my brain imagines it and it's like that becomes (laughs) a part of my like internal hard drive of a memory but it didn't happen or like I don't remember it anything specific about it so I feel like what you're saying about Snape like telling himself this story he imagines that it was a bullying moment and then when you look into it it's like oh it kind of looks like that even though it doesn't (laughs) when you actually look at it it doesn't even that gets a little bit more complicated but then not um or like that particular scene so like that scene gets a little bit more complicated only because you find out in Deathly Hollows that the reason that that was his worst memory wasn't because like he was being humiliated by the Marauders it was because he that was like the end of his friendship with Lily mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so like in that particular part cool but the and like and, and I only say it doesn't get fully complicated because like the Prince's Tale is pretty much a chapter that's like created to redeem Snape like it gives us like important information um but it it really is like the goal of that chapter is to redeem like seven books of him just being like straight up garbage. Yeah. Um, and so <laughs> it's like, I don't know, it's it's frustrating in that way. Um, even though like the actual content in it is like interesting and um, like but it I gives us a story. It I just doesn't funny about humanity in general anyway, because people take these events, right, and like 
some someone at the same time i you and we were all were reading um that chapter in that book and being like okay this adds another element to his character but that doesn't at all absolve him from seven years of being an asshole mm-hmm. um someone else was like it all makes sense and he's totally misunderstood and no wrong you know what i mean and it we took in but we did we all took in the same information we all absorbed the same words but we didn't we didn't process it the same way and that is kind of the beauty of life in general but also it was really frustrating because when you are trying to when you think about your own character and when you're trying to characterize other people and you have to constantly you know fight against repu- like reputations and fight against um how people see you um it can be very frustrating because it's very hard to change someone's that like they say like first impressions last forever and, th- and things of that nature so with harry Harry's introduction to the Marauders and with the Marauders themselves, like it's very hard for them. And I think Remus is the biggest example of this to overcome those first impressions and to push through how people see you. So like with Remus, it's like as soon as they find out that he's a werewolf, all of his good work as a teacher, all like all of the, his smarts, his kindness, his good heart, they don't really, matter because for the majority of people that one fact about him um is colored by all of these this other this understanding of werewolves that lupin actually has no control over you know Mm -hmm. so it's i think a lot of this book a, a big theme of this book and a big theme of the series in general is about tearing down mythologies around people are building people putting people on a pedestal um and and then what and and blinding yourself to the reality that nothing is as clean or as clear-cut as you'd like it to be i kind of love that because it doesn't just work for our heroes it works like with dumbledore and with the marauders where it's like oh my goodness they were so great and then oh look they're flawed but it also works in the reverse for voldemort because it's like oh look we put him on this like evil pedestal where it's like we can't even say his name and then it's like she works really hard to um on and in snape's case too where it's like we have one chapter but I feel like the Vol- Voldemort was like done over time, and that's why it's a little bit more easy to swallow he's like, because it's like, oh, okay, he's actually human. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's like a dude. Like, don't put him on this evil pedestal where it's like he's the master of all. Like, no, he's Tom Riddle. Call him that and break him down. So it's just an interesting thought in in that way as well. I mean, I think there's book series. I think there's moments <laughs> in the books where Snape is humanized, um, but. I don't think that makes him necessarily redeemable. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you humanize mm-hmm. Voldemort, but that doesn't make him, like, redeemable. Good. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's Correct. kind of the Correct. difference in terms of, like, the in terms of fandom. Like, obviously, the three of us don't fuck with Snape. We're not about that life. Um, but <laughs> just in general, we will take it as, like, oh, they humanized him. Oh, that means he's good. He was on the right side. But it's, like, you can do good things and still be a bad person. Yeah, um, you can do bad things and still be a good person. Exactly. Here not... said, the world is not split between good people good and people death eaters. Boom. Roasted. Who said um, that? 
Sirius said that. Um, so yeah, um, and then I think what will we we want to you want to break down the the Marauders? Want to go one by one? Yeah, so, um, again, why you guys should donate to us, we've done, this is a, a rehashing of a conversation that was lost into the void, but um, <laughs> the question was asked, or I asked the question, I don't know why I said it, the question was, I don't know why, <laughs> but I asked the question, and I think it's a, it's an interesting exercise to go through, of um, all of, so of all of the different inputs that we get about each Marauder, um, if you, as a reader, had to then explain that Marauder's character as being like like an objective fact, as a third party, you know, without any bias, how would you kind of describe them? And so I thought we should we could go through Marauder by Marauder, and I guess we could start with um, James because we have we only really have history and stories to go by because we don't see him. Um, he's He's right. passed away before the book starts, so. Um, and I think that, like, even, like, we, and we, I think that even with the the work that's done to kind of complicate these characters, like, James and Lily are very much mythologized, or if that's even a word, um, like, within the books just in general. So, like, even though we see the way that he was as a kid, I always feel like it still um, props him up as a myth in a way because all of it, because... Sure, all the stories are real, but we don't actually get to like hear him speak. Um, yeah. In like, other than that one time when he was like a resurrection ghost or whatever, and even then he says like some words of encouragement, but it's not like a real conversation where like yeah. you learn anything about him. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that that's really interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think even just his story arc in general is interesting, and, like, I think we were talking about kind of, like, what the, you know, like, mm-hmm. secondary houses would be, and, um, like, yeah. he doesn't have one. <laughs> his secondary house is Gryffindor. Right, he's pure Gryffindor. All, all, of his, all <laughs> houses that he could possibly put him in. And, all his, and uh, it's really true, because his flaws are Gryffindorian. Gryffindorian. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love that word. Yeah, it's a word now. Um, I said it. It makes sense. I'm gonna keep saying it. Um, because Wizard <laughs> Team Cannon, <laughs> Wizard Team Cannon, Gryffindorian, Ravenclaw, ish, Ravenclaw, mm. Ravenclaw, no, 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 no. Hufflepuffian, no, no, Hufflepuffish, uh, uh. Hufflepuffish, no, Hufflepuffish, ish sounds weird because then it sounds like eh, not yeah. white, like yeah. almost. Almost. Um. A little Hufflepuffish. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like, I, I think if I had to explain James, I would say, you know, he's a true Gryffindor. He's very temperamental. He um, relies on instinct a lot. But mm-hmm. in his core, is a good person and he wants to do good. But he's, but he's not exempt from ego and mm-hmm. pride and selfishness. And so... Um, God, I, he has all the traits of Gryffindor. He really literally does. Literally all of them. <laughs> literally has all of them. And so um, he grows up and he starts, and I think but I think his journey of growing up really um, and how he ends up proving his maturity to Lily is not overcoming those traits, right? He doesn't stop being egotistical. He doesn't stop being... Pr- 
prideful, he just recognizes them within himself, and then he's able to check himself. He's able to check his privilege. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that the privilege goes mm-hmm. away. Um, and but, yeah, so, but yes, and we do need to talk about how he does have a lot of privilege lot because of- he comes from a wealthy, old wizarding family where he's like from a pure blood family like he has no you know like very little muggle in him at all so his um like hogwarts privilege is not only that he's like white and male but he's also wealthy and from like he could be a part of the 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 bad guy like he could be one of the pure blood like purists in the school because he has no very little uh like muggle in his lineage to even like he's a dark descendant from Gryffindor, right? That's that's canon. I can't remember if that's canon or if we decided that as a fan. I feel like that's canon because he has one of the Hallows. Um, you know what I'm gonna do? No, no, no. It's not no, the Gryffindor. It's the Gryffindor has to do with the Pepperells. Yeah, it's the per. It's Yeah. Okay. But um, I agree with you, Connie. But I also think like adding on to that beyond that privilege, he also has the privilege of being an only child of being a, like, beloved child, you know, like, he was a miracle like, baby. Yeah. And you see a lot of these, like, mm-hmm. either kids that have gotten sick and, um, and, you know, were close to death. I have a, I have a cousin who, um, was really, really sick, and he was, like, a make-a-wish child, um, or, you know, it was very difficult for the parents to conceive and they didn't, you know, like these miracle babies where you're just so happy that they're there mm-hmm. that like, I've had to be like, okay, I'm really happy that you're alive, but you are also being very rude. You know what I mean? Like, like <laughs> being sick does not absolve you from getting this beat down or you know, whatever, you know, because as a kid, you know, as like a, a peer, I'm, I don't have that same kind of thing, but like my, like our family is like, you know, he's a, like, he's anointed and he's, he can do no wrong because they're just so happy that he's there. And I think growing up in that, like Dudley, really, like he could have ended up like Dudley, um, Mm -hmm. which is amazing to think that he didn't, right? But um, everything that he does is amazing. Everything, you know, he touches turns to gold. Which is also so funny in terms of the of terms of Petunia because they're always like dogging on James because he had no job and he was a layabout or whatever. But like, if they actually cared about the Wizarding World, they'd be like, "Oh, you married into basically Wizarding royalty because he has so much money in the bank and <laughs> it comes from like this old wealthy family who you know, like they were retired from whatever jobs. I don't think we have like canon jobs for." The Potters, but they were. Oh, they! Were, I got you. As always. <laughs> as always, isn't it annoying, Connie? Now that you've been in this a little bit. No. no. It's a little annoying. It's what I do. I have to. I don't know it off the top of my head. I just mean I got you because I found it. That's all. <laughs> I don't just know it. I'm, I might now. Um, his father was the one, or I guess they who started Sleep Easies. I think his grand, his great grandfather. Yeah, I think it's. No, he created it. So well, his, his father, father created the Sleek Easy. Oh, wow. Um, and then he sold the company. Oh, I thought it was at least one level back. back. Yeah, I thought it was farther back than that. But, yeah, he created it, and then he, like, he took the family gold and quadrupled it by making that potion. And then he sold the company and retired. Wow. And then 
Yeah. He and his wife had James. <laughs> okay, so like old, like not old money, I guess. It's sort of like new money, cause but that that he made from old money. So it's just interesting how the Dursleys perceive him when they really should be like, oh snap, you married up in there in the Wizarding World. Okay, cool. Um, which is also part of his, of our characterization of him comes from the Dursley's side of the story where Harry's like first, like all his life he grew up being like, your dad was a layabout and he did nothing and they died in a car crash, probably getting drunk or whatever. Um, so that affects James's like perception in, in the world too because then we do see the opposite side, but when you're Harry, it's like, obviously he doesn't really believe them because they're the Dursleys, but that does have, like, an effect on how you want to see somebody. Sorry. Mm -hmm. um, is that, like, as you were, you said, like, obviously that has less of an effect because it's the Dursleys. I was, I was thinking as you were saying all of that, like, does that make us like him even more because the Dursleys disliked him so much? Yes, yes. Probably. I was you know? going to, I was thinking that as well. Like because we because the Dursleys were so like like picking on the idea of James that because as soon as Harry enters the Wizarding World, it's like they were great. He's like, Of course they were great. And so he's gonna dismiss anything negative that anyone says about him because it's like, well, anything negative is somebody like the Dursleys. Yeah. So I'm gonna only believe the positive stuff because obviously that's what is gonna be true. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know, Bayana, do you have any, like, kind of characterizations of James that you think are true? That are, are, are um, that stretch? I guess the thing is, is that if you think um, that these descriptions stretch through different types of narrators, and that's probably the, the true, the truest part of him you right. know um mm -hmm. like if Remus and Snape say similar things and that's probably very much a part of his character and I mean um, like I don't want to say that like because like the the um what's it called like Snape's memory of him like being humiliated by James like it happened yeah we may not have, may not have mm -hmm. gotten the entire picture of it but it did happen um yeah and but so I think that we yeah, and so I think that we get, like, I think that we get, like, a general arc of, like, how he grew up, but it's a little vague at the same time, so we get, like, very specific moments of James, so we get, like, we get him as, um, as a kid, um, after taking his, his OWLs, and then we get him, then we get him standing up to Voldemort. Those are, like, the two, like, actual scenes that we know actually okay. happened um, that we get. Or actually, no, that's not true. Then we get, like, earlier stuff when he was, like, 11 and he was on the train with, like, Snape and them. But and then, and as... then I feel like the points are, like, James is a kid, James at the OWLs. And then um, we get, we never actually get to see the werewolf incident, but it is a very big part of James's transition from, from year five to being like having stood up to Voldemort three times and right. being and this I think awesome that, order member or whatever. Yeah. And I think that that's important. And I think that, um, like, yeah, thanks for bringing that up. Cause I definitely would have forgot, but <laughs> I think that that's kind of the thing that people forget 
about because that's not a scene that we actually see. We mm-hmm. tend, like, we, we hear about it, like, I guess, what is that, Sorcerer's Stone? So in, when it's presented in that moment, it's presented as, like, to just kind of, like, further reinforce that James was, like, an amazing person. Yeah, he um, just says, like, he, he saved his life saved Snape, even though they hated each other. Like, yeah. it's not really what, I mean, it is what happened, but it's not what happened. Um, and so then it, like, it may get brought up again in Prisoner of Azkaban, I can't remember, but, like, actually it probably does because, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Oh, goddamn chill but um <laughs> it, i love him <laughs> um but yeah so it's like that i think that that's like a good kind of turning it's not really a turning point it's just like the it's the evidence that he got better i think yeah um and i even think that like and i even think technically the like the the scene with um like in the snape's worst memory chapter is probably when he started changing. Like, after that incident, when Lily yelled at him and yeah, said, you're yeah. no better than he is, like, that's probably yeah, when he yeah. was, like, he probably was mad at first. You know what I mean? Like, everybody's mm-hmm. mad at first when they get told about themselves. And then he was, like, oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute. And I'm sure, because, like, they say they started um, dating in the seventh year once he deflated his head. It's going to take a minute for him to do that. That's, yeah. like, two, there's a year gap in between. <laughs> yes. Um... For him to get better, and that's also and like and six year is really um, formative for James because that is the year gap that we are we we know that there is something between that fifth year memory and seventh year when they get together. That's when he's doing most the I guess the bulk of the work. The work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm a, I didn't mean to, but it's pretty much what it is. Yeah. Um, But but and I that's interesting about that is that a lot of I think we in the the first draft of this discussion we (laughs) discussed how a lot of Snape defenders um, seem to see James as having stolen Lily from Snape. (laughs) (laughs) When we know that that is not that is not the case. so misogynistic it makes me want to vomit actually we'll talk about this even more but if you're following my live tweets um when i was at leviosicon i went to the panel about snape and the marauders and we'll get into that later but that was like something that came up a couple of times and i had to like be like no no can we if someone else says that james stole lily or that snape lost lily i'm going to punch all of you because it's so much. It's such a yeah. It's so. She's, she's not, a not a thing. She's not a thing. She's not a prize to be won. And what is that from? That's a Disney line. I, uh, uh, Aladdin. 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 I am not Aladdin. a prize. To- I am not a prize to be won. And then she walks away because yeah, she's a bam. <laughs> exactly. She like she Lily channels her inner Jasmine and she's like, look, like. And she channels her inner Jasmine and her inner um, Olivia Pope. You want me? Earn me. Earn me. Earn, earn me. me. With the quiver. With the quiver. <laughs> right? And it's like she has her own standards. And it's not about winning or losing her. It's about. Because they both failed those standards. Yeah. I mean, that, and then, is there any evidence that Lily had any sort of crush on Snape at all at any no. point? No, and that's the other thing. Absolutely like, there's a very, there's a that's very some friend zone type shit. Friend zone shit. Yeah, it's like, 
Just because you high five by honestly. Like, why are you here? But literally, it's like if you think and that and that's also the thing that bothers me the most about like not the most about Snape, like the torturing and abusing of children is probably his biggest Good strike. One. But right after that strike is the idea that just because you have romantic designs on Lily means that she's obliged to mm-hmm. reciprocate. And she mm-hmm. offered you nothing but friendship and kindness since the time she was 11. And because you caught feelings, she's supposed to like be like, oh, okay. Oh, like, oh you're so cute. Yeah, it's like that's no, not how that works. First, Sometimes, huh? Oh, I said wash your hair first, maybe. Right? Being petty, sorry. But I'll do that. <laughs> No, I mean, but it's true. Like, there, there's yeah, this idea yeah. that, like, as soon as Snape realizes that he has romantic feelings for Lily, then she obviously should, too. And it's like, that's not how life works. No. But also, it really frustrates me because if you if he actually, like, loved who Lily was as a person and not as an idea that he put on a pedestal, he'd realize that, like, she couldn't love him because yeah. of the things that he was doing. So, like, the, his actions are, like, directly a, a, against everything that she stands for. And so he's just like, yeah, but you're going to ignore that, right? Which doesn't, doesn't make any sense because then it's like, you were never her friend then. Then you never paid attention to who she was, what she valued, and what she cared about. So yeah, and then it was so doing. easy for him to call her a slur. Exactly, and this is what we were and saying then, yeah. in the former, whatever. I said this before, like, I am not a gay person. I have gay friends, but that doesn't, that's not why equal rights for LGBTQ people are is important to me it's important to me because it's right and i think like people that ignore what's happening in the trans community all of these murders and all of this stuff um or think that they somehow deserve it or whatever like that's not my identity but it's important to me so i could never love someone who that was not important to or not not even important to but that they could be like whatever, I don't agree, I think that they deserve what they get, or they're less than, right? Like, you don't have to be as passionate about it as I am, but there's a clear line there that is like, well, that is a a deal breaker. I mean, I don't want, like, that's the only other way I could think of it. It's like, that is not negotiable. Like, if you think that X amount of people should be treated a certain way, um, and I don't in my book. That's a moral issue that is non-negotiable. And it what makes it even worse is that in the identity, and I, I'm using like trans because that's not something I identify with, but it's still I kind of a non-negotiable for me. Um, but it makes it even worse when you hear like, you know, as black girls, we've probably all heard it. Oh, you're really pretty for a black girl. You're really smart for a black girl. And it's like, that's not a fucking compliment. Like, that means that you think that I'm the exception <laughs> And so, therefore, you inherently think that black women are not pretty or smart. And then how fast can you turn from me being the only one? Like, I'm the one good one, but if I'm the only one, I don't know how fast you're going to switch to being like, ah, wait, none of them. I I was wrong. That that transition time is too quick. It could be any time. It could be any time. And that's what what Snape does, because the ease with which he throws that slur at Lily is like, oh, you believe this. You think that I'm just some special mudblood. But you believe in all of that shit, and that is 
inherently against and complete opposite of everything that I stand for and believe. So how fucking dare you? Mm-hmm. Like there's no apology. Sorry, I'm just saying there's no apology that doesn't come with like real mm-hmm. self-reflection and re- a rejection of that entire belief system. Mm-hmm. Like nothing else is gonna satisfy. Think, me. And then when you think about, yeah, and then when you think about how um, there's a lot of comparison between like Hermione and Lily and their work ethic and the their values and the way that they are presented in in school, and you think about like okay, if Snape thinks that Lily's the only one who's a good one. Um, then you would think that his, if he actually had any sympathy for any other Muggleborns, he would see us. He would see Lily in Hermione because a lot of the fandom does. Like their their similarities are very apparent. So like if if it was like a, a personality thing or like okay, so because of you who you are and who what you believe in, you're, I'm gonna believe you to be the only one good one. But no, no, because you you treat the way you treat. The, yeah, the way he treats the Hermione. We had not see Lily and Harry, so. <laughs> yeah. But the way he treats Hermione is how he would have treated Lily if she was not his friend. Very much. And if he didn't somehow conflate friendship with romance, romantic love. I also think that there is a very, there is a book, um, John Green wrote this great book called Looking for Alaska. And kind of the theme of that book is like putting someone on a pedestal and not seeing who they actually are um, and making this declarative statement of love um, early in life and not let allowing that person to grow and be a flawed human and not seeing the changes that happen inevitably throughout growth. Actually, I don't think it's looking for Alaska. I think it's actually um, Paper Towns, but still. It's a John yeah. Green book. It's Paper Towns. Um, but Paper Towns? I think that that's very applicable to states, um, and I think it's something that I, well, I hope I would like to think it's something that J.K. did um, knowingly which is the Lily that Snape loves either a never existed or does not exist anymore. You know what I mean? She outgrew or she grew her, you know, and she developed beyond that person that he put on that pedestal and didn't allow to change. Mm. Um, so the idea of like, well, how could Lily then love mm-hmm. James is like, well, the lily that you are pining after is not the lily that's walking around in er, in life, right? Mm-hmm. She has like grown up, dif- or you know, grown and developed, and sees and understands gray areas, and understands that people aren't perfect, and um, sees the good and the pos- and the possibilities of James and the potential of James, um, and is and is willing to take a chance on it. I think. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think we should. Move on. Mm-hmm. Um, Want to do serious? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Always. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, oh, that, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I knew it was going to take you a minute, but you got to it. Um, but for me, I always think of serious as kind of, um, the counterpoint of James where he doesn't actually I, Sirius and Snape are actually very similar mm-hmm. um, but they're two sides of the same coin really and he never really yep.
um, mature the growth out, out of his happiest time in life, which is also kind of terrible because he did have a really bad life, so it's easy for him to be stunted in that time. Right. Literally, um, his happiest time of his life is, like, maybe 11 to 21, but more, <laughs> like, concretely, like, 16 when he, like, mm-hmm. ran away. Yeah. Good. That's five mm-hmm. years. Yeah, and I think, too, um, someone had said, and this, I think, is a great example, there's a lot of, like, Marauders as rock band, and I bought this really awesome um, T-shirt that is the Ramones um, band logo, but with the Marauders. Mm-hmm. So I love it. I'm, I, I'm wearing it. In <laughs> but anyway, um, there's a lot of Marauders as rock band type of thing, and someone said, like, James and Sirius are the people who have the idea of starting yep. a band. Sirius is the yep. um, lead singer, guitarist <laughs> that gets like you the know, one who gets all the girls. That is like the yeah. bad boy. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. Um, and Remus is the one that makes sure they actually go to practice and, and become a band. You know, like do the actual work. Um, and Peter carries the equipment. <laughs> Um, and I think that's very true, though, of, of Sirius, is that he's, like, in in love with the adventure and the chase, but not with the day-to-day realities of life. And when he gets bogged down, or when he has to confront the day-to-day reality, like, you know, not every... He's the doctor. He is. <laughs> if you gave he would him, make a, he great make a great doctor. He would. If you gave Sirius a TARDIS, he would never sit in the same place. You'd never see him ever again. No. He'd go yeah, chasing... Like three days. <laughs> yep. Yeah, he would go chasing the thrill. That's like when the doctor got stranded or whatever and he was bored out of his mind. Yep. Yeah. Um, like, okay, can, like, we, okay, can, can we, we... Can we do something? Can we do something? Can we do something? Can we do something? Yeah. But I do think that Sirius also... Um, because of his upbringing, is, like, an anti-Death Eater Death Eater. (laughs) Like, he has the same very prejudicial, borderline violent tendencies towards Death Eaters. He, like, really rebels against those teachings, but in rebelling against them, kind of also... Yeah, which I think is like yeah, and I think that's like more. I don't. I think it's less Death Eaters and more like just his family. Yeah, yeah. Because his fa- only his brother was a Death Eater, right? The rest of them weren't. Well, oh, but or like Bellatrix is beloved by his family. You know, right. like their first cousins, and he gets the you know, like, why can't you be more like all of these blacks and he's in this noble house. Yeah, or some shit. Um, yeah, but yeah, no. So I. <laughs> Yeah, so, like, we were talking, well, we were talking about it, and we're going to repeat it, um, where he, it's like, you know, you're always influenced by your family and, like, where you grow up, whether that's, like, for good or for bad, and so for him, he goes, he tries so hard to be, like, the exact opposite of, yeah. like, everything that his, his family does, which is why he goes into Gryffindor, and he's, like, super smug about it, and, like, his room is, like, covered in Gryffindor tapestries, and he's like, yeah, I'm different from y'all. Shout out to me and my muggle magazines and shit. And, like, um, <laughs> he totally like, listened to really, punk rock. Exactly. He loved um, the Sex Pistols. In the 70s? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, totally. Iggy Pop? Oh, man, me and Sirius are boys, girls, <laughs> buddies, whatever. We're kindred. We're kindred. He was listening to the New York Dolls wearing eyeliner and shit? Fuck yeah. 
Yeah. And I'm remiss. I'm reading the book. And being like, chill out a little bit. Yeah. Um, same. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's like, and you know, that's why your secondary house is awesome. Same. Um, that's not even true. <laughs> it's definitely still there. What other one is it going to be? Hufflepuff. It's near mm-hmm. the kitchen. I'm loyal as fuck. No, I'm not. Was, mm. No, I'm not. I'm not loyal. He's robbed and loyal. Um, yeah, no, so it's like, he, yeah, he goes, he does like, like you were just saying, like he does the opposite thing, but like, it's like the, it's the exact opposite and not like the, like, here, let's just do something different. Let's not do that. It's more like, let's just do it in a different way. Let's just do the same thing. Like, yeah, let's just do the same thing. But to the opposite people. to the opposite people. Um, and it's yeah. very antagonistic about it. Like you said, like the Gryffindor, like he's in your face about it instead of being like, I'm going to, I'm going to be calm and quietly over here mm-hmm. being the black sheep. He's like, nah, I'm going to be the black sheep in your face. Like, yeah. um, like I'm going to phone this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, just like we were, t- we kind of mentioned it before, like just how little, and like we talk about Remus has the worst life, but like, Remus and Sirius are, like, of, of the four. I mean, I guess, well, yeah, because there are things worse than death. That's what these books tell us. So, like, yeah. of the four, the two of them have the worst. I think Remus, like, edges, edges Sirius out a bit. But, um, like, I don't know worse... about that. I was thinking about that um, because Remus's losses are so high um, when he passes away. But at least he got to feel love. Well, he fell in love. He got married. Yeah, he got, but he then feel the joy of having a child. Yeah, well, I mean, James. I mean, James. Wow, Sirius got the joy of like having Harry. <laughs> but it's not him. Um, I mean, he didn't. I, I don't really think. Do you really think Sirius would have had kids? Yeah, it nah. doesn't balance yeah. out the same way. Like, he even, even gotten married. Like, I don't know, but if he got married, but I'd like to think he had. Well, I'm just maybe maybe my new headcanon is that he had one good love affair. That's what I'm hoping for in my life. Like, I don't want to get married, but I do want to have, like, one good love affair. That's real. You know? <laughs> yeah. Sure. Maybe two. Maybe two. Yeah. 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 Sure. And then Still. I think something important um, that we should talk about with Sirius is that... But yeah, no, I just I just feel like... I think, hmm? with, I think with Remus, I think it's the, then... <laughs> how long it is. Like, yeah. His life does not really get better. He gets, like, really good. He gets spurt of it being like, oh, this might be okay. And then it's like, nope, just kidding. <laughs> Nope, no, you can't yeah. have the ice thing. You can't have the ice thing. With Sirius, no. it's very no. much like he, um, like, yeah, I mean, he, I, I don't know, it is relative, um, but with Sirius, I feel like the just the way that he is, he's very, like, because he's rebellious, it's very much like he's not gonna be, God. He'll never be satisfied. Satisfied? Um, <laughs> I knew it. Yes. I said it. Yes. I knew it was going to happen. And then I was you like, tried not to. Just go with it. Um, you tried not to. He wouldn't be you satisfied either way. Um, <laughs> Hamilton is totally serious. Oh, yeah. True. True. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it proves that Hamilton is a Gryffindor. Hamilton yes. is a Gryffindor. Self-destructive. Self-destructive. Yeah, self-destructive, self-destructive to, to the last, last end. end. 
Um, I think that because, again, we always forget that the Lone Wolf incident happened, except when Snape people are like, hey, this how he tried today, tried to attack us. That makes them terrible. But, I mean, the the werewolf incident was Sirius's idea. And so I feel like, why won't Joe give us, why won't Joe give us Marauder's era? Because it would explain so much more about, like, why that happened at that time, because what we've... It, it happened after the owls, so it happened after, like, James had this, like, I guess, slow epiphany of, like, oh, wait, I'm being a jerk, I shouldn't do this, um, and I shouldn't act this way. So he's he's on his way up of, like, okay, this is going to be my, like, cha- changing year, sixth year, we're gonna, we're gonna do it right so that, you know, maybe Lily will pay attention to me finally. So James is on this sort of upward path, and I guess the world incident helps him propel him further into being a good person. But it was Sirius's idea. So what is happening in Sirius's life, and like what is happening in the dynamics of the four of them, or the five of them, with Snape included, where Snape is like, I mean, Sirius is like, you know what would be a good idea, guys, if we tried to kill Sirius. Like what happened in his life where he was just like. What if I led Snape down the path to see Remus? <laughs> what if I did that? So it's just an interesting, like, they're not on parallel paths towards uh, towards goodness at that point. And then the incident, you know, they all kind of realize, wait, crap, this could have gone really bad. Uh, we, we should, we should, you know, have some chill. Um, so it's just an interesting, like, time to think about where it's like we don't know enough about, about what's, what's going, going on at that time to know why they made certain decisions. Well, you know what's also really interesting is, like, as you were saying that, um, I was thinking about, like, you you know there are those friends where you don't go to them um, because you know they're going to talk you out of what you want, so you go to the other friends who are, like, just yes-men? Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that once James finds out that Sirius did this, he puts a stop to it. So that means that James wasn't really in on the planning and Sirius kind of went rogue. Um, And I think that that's one of those things where um, it's kind of like, you know, Sirius does see James maturing and, um, and is pushing back against that, you know, and kind of like, um, rebelling against the the end or are kind of like acting out lashing out against like uh hogwarts coming to an end their friendship as it is coming to an end um or changing really it's just a matter of like he's he's trying to reject and, and halt change um and this was his way of being like hey you guys remember those times when we were all like wild and crazy kids I did this right. thing, hoping that they would, like, be like, yeah, right. this is, you know, and they're like, no, like, <laughs> you know, and um, I think that it's interesting because there are those people, like, I, if I want to do something that is so spontaneous and, like, I'm just going to do it now, I'm going to do it live, I'm not going to tell Bayana because Bayana's going to be like, you didn't think this through. Let's stop and think this through, right? I'm gonna just I'm gonna be frustrated and <laughs> anxiety and shit, and I'm gonna be like, God damn it, Robin, what are you doing? Yeah, so I usually tell her afterwards so that she can be frustrated and anxious, and I can be like, Well, I did it. Yep. You know. Um, <laughs> Ask for, for forgiveness and not permission. 
exactly. But it's also just like, I'm going to go to the friend that I know is going to be gung-ho and be like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea, right? Um, and you kind of know there are certain things that you know you're not you're not willing to be talked out of or you don't want to think all the way through. Mm-hmm. Um, those impulsive things, you, you know not to go to Remus to, like, be your partner kind of <laughs> for the super impulsive thing, you know, or not to go to James, you go to Peter, because Peter's the yes man. Mm-hmm. Um, or you do it alone, mm-hmm. and then you ask for forgiveness later. So it's interesting um, to think about that, yeah, like, I think people conflate that or forget that Sirius was the one who had that idea, um, but then also, as soon as James found out, he was like, hey, this is not cool, man. Yeah. <laughs> We're not doing this. Not cool, fam. So. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. And I think that, like, with Sirius, it's very easy to kind of, like, I mean, again, we only get very specific scenes of him um, in terms of, like, as a kid or whatever. But, like, it's still very easy because, like, he's, because, like, of the way that his life was, it's really easy to see, like, how he could have done that. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, his... His personality, when we see him in these books, is still just as, like, reckless and, um, like, he, he, he's impulsive, and that's just, like, what he does. Like, his whole, the whole thing with, like, Peter is that, like, there, you know what I mean, moments where he, um, where he's, like, planning things out and he's, like, deliberate, but then there's other moments where he's just, like, fuck it, I can't take it anymore, I'm about to run up in this, uh, common room real quick well even to go what's actually really funny is when you were like even with peter i was thinking you're talking about his decision to make him secret keeper which is very well, impulsive. even that that was impulsive you too. know what i mean like they made a choice like if you want to stop and think about it like the reason why they chose sirius to be secret keeper isn't just because he's their best friend but because they know he won't divulge that secret mm-hmm. right and so Sirius and is because like, he's strong, strong enough to fight back Yes, exactly. And because he can defend himself against any Death Eaters who come up to him. And he would have chosen death. Like he said, like, you know, um, Sirius's impulse was like, oh, they'll never think it. They'll, everyone will think it's me. So, like, Peter can just go through life undetected and they'll never think it. They'll never think that it was him. Mm-hmm. Um, but even if everyone thought it was you, Sirius, you should have still been the secret keeper because you would have kept that secret. Yeah. Um, and you would have willingly taken on that target on your back to keep that secret, you know? So, and there would have been a better plan if it had been obviously thought out ahead of time because Dumbledore even thought that Sirius was the secret keeper. So like they, it was so last minute that they couldn't even tell Dumbledore, which is the one person you should have told, like you should have told him. And if he had been known... Of all the people. And if he had known, he might have agreed that it was a good idea, but he would have been like, okay, so you that's that's a great idea. Okay, but this is what we're going to do in order to lay out exactly how to, to make sure that Peter is also safe. Because even if Peter didn't, like, purposely betray them, um, and we just, again, we don't know exactly, like, how he was approached in terms of, like, turning them over, but even if he didn't purposely, like, be like, oh, snap, I know the secret, let me go tell Voldemort so he doesn't kill me, he's still not a protected person, so it's like, if they do attack him for whatever other reason, because there's a war happening, he wasn't, like, he wasn't protected in, in a way that, like, 
you would for your friends or you would for like they protected the potters but they didn't bother to protect peter and i feel like that also could have been why he made his decision because he's like they don't care about me i'm a target and they think that they're not gonna think about me but we're in a war in general so like i'm obviously still out here in the open out here in these streets so you know what if they don't care about me i'm gonna go to the other side that might be some of what his like pathology like the pathology of <laughs> Peter in that in that moment. Because if they had thought it through, they might have protected Peter too. It would have been a great idea. How quickly did Peter go? That's a that's a question too, because they didn't I don't know if they just decided not to tell they like Sirius is like, Oh, we'll make Peter the secret keeper and we won't tell anyone. Like even Dumbledore will think it's me. Or if they didn't even get a chance to tell Dumbledore because they made Peter the secret keeper and then boom, like you know what I mean? Like, he was already being pressured before he was made the secret keeper. We don't know. We don't really know that timeline very well. It's very fuzzy. Um, but I think it's very interesting. So, also, I just wanted to go along with that, with um, Peter's, um, to move on to what we think about Peter's um, characterization, because it's actually really interesting as someone who is... Um, a Gryffindor who no one thinks should be a Gryffindor, you know, but he is one. So what are we, what, what are your thoughts about Peter's, who Peter actually is as a character and as a person? I mean, I think Peter is like essentially, um, a survivalist. He's like that. And I think also that's why he's a rat. Like that's why that's what he turns into. Like not only because he's a snitch, but because like, <laughs> ultimately his goal is to survive and like whatever it takes for that to happen that's what mm-hmm. he's gonna do um and um there's like a moment and i can't i won't be able to find the page right now but like there's a moment where in prison of Azkaban where Sirius like tells peter like oh you always liked like being around big people you know what i mean like to protect mm-hmm. you um and like he, he was like it used to be me and james and then it became voldemort yeah the whole thing is he knows that he can't protect himself or he doesn't have the confidence in himself to do it um but he's like well my thing is i'm gonna find the person who can help me out um and then also i think that i mean i don't think that he actively went and sought out voldemort i think that voldemort showed up out of his doorstep and he was like well um <laughs> give it all our options here <laughs> peter is not ride or die <laughs> serious is ride or die like yeah. period Point blank. We gotta well, die. All right, I'm there. When we gotta die, <laughs> I'm out. We out. Definitely Let's do that. Yeah. But that's also Remus is ride and ask questions. We have to die. No. Let's find. <laughs> not only let's find another option, but like I'm absolutely taking that option. It's the best. What the best option is the one that's not dying. <laughs> yeah. And that's but like, like the. But like he's also he's not really ride though, huh? <laughs> He's not really ride though, so it's like Remus is ride and ask questions. Yep. So it's like he's gonna, you know, co- he's gonna come with you, but he's gonna like figure out a solution so that nobody has to die. Peter is less. He's less ask questions. He's like, um, I don't know if I can ride with y'all at all. <laughs> I gotta go somewhere else. I can't come. He's ride and he's still. ride unless there's a better car. Yeah. Then I'm gonna ride with this. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. But yeah, that's also true because you know we talk about like ride or die or ride or ask ride and ask questions and i think of myself as ride and then ask questions like is dying you know 
the best course of action here. Um, but when you think about the quandary that Peter was in, and even Snape said, or Snape, whoa. Um, Sirius says, I would have died. I would have died to protect my friends. And I kind of feel like, hopefully I'll never be in this position. But if the if the options aren't, because, you know, it's, it's ride and then ask questions and see and explore our options. And so if my options are give up my friends and they die or die myself, then I'm going to die. You know what I mean? And like, um, <laughs> but that's when all options have been explored and right. those are the, you know what I mean? And that's kind of be an option where we all run away. <laughs> None of us die. <laughs> yeah. And that's the option I'm, I'm, hopefully choosing Same. like let's go with that one but in the absence <laughs> of that option you know you do to me you it just seems like sacrificing my life for the life of my friends and their unborn or and their young child like this family when it's just me like you know like just doing the even if we're going to be that cold to just do the numbers a one to three exchange of life, it's like, all right, then I guess I'm taking this L. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, there, to Peter, that giving up your friends was a, that, was a viable option. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like to think that that it's actually not the option. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there, in, in the ride or die, you know, there comes a time when dying might just be the option that you have to take. I don't think it should be, like, the first by any means. Like, I don't think it should be right. the second. Right. <laughs> but... is so impulsive. He's immediately like, we got to die? Cool. Cool. Yeah. No questions asked. <laughs> there are <laughs> avenues for to explore all of the avenues here. Exactly. Whereas, like, whereas, like Peter is the opposite of that. We got to die? Nah. Like, it doesn't take, matter what the situation is, I'm not doing easiest, that. He takes the easiest route. Mm-hmm. Like, he, um, he's one of those people, um, just, you know, shout out to Dumbledore, um, when it comes to time to make a choice between what's right and what's easy, he chooses what's easy. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Ooh, what's interesting to, for me about Peter is that we talk about secondary houses and how, um, like, Remus would be a secondary Ravenclaw, James is just Gryffindor all the way through, and Sirius is kind of, because of his family mostly, like, probably would have been sort of into Slytherin. But Peter is maybe the houseless. Like, one of those rare examples of people who don't, he, you can't really see him anywhere because he's not really brave. He's not really loyal. We know he's not loyal. And he's not really that smart. Like, he's competent and he's, like, capable. And he, you know, is able to become an animagus. And I think that Peter is kind of a Lockhart Ravenclaw. Like, he is smart. He becomes an animagus, <laughs> like, an unregistered anime guy. Like, that's not easy. I mean, he, um, he helps with But the he map. had a lot of know, help. To what extent, but... He does help put that map together, and that map is an amazing piece of magic. Um, I mean, you know, as horrible as it was, his plot to frame Sirius was pretty brilliant, and he got away yeah, with it for twelve and years. Very thought through. Actually, he got he got right. away with it up like until his until Sirius's death. Yeah. So um, that's a good what 15, 16 years. Yeah, and then his long even, time. even his plot as a, to be to live life as a rat, like it worked out for a while until Kirkchick yeah. came through and was like, "What you not gonna do?" 
And then he <laughs> frames, I mean, we can talk about, like, why frame Crookshanks. Like, what was the point of that? That is where some of his Slytherin, I guess, shows. Or some, I, don't, I don't even think that's a Slytherin trait. I just think that's, like, gross. I don't know. Right, and that's part of the thing is that he has... He has little bits and pieces of every house, but he doesn't have like an overwhelming like quality of any of them. So um, we discussed that time um, how we, you know, trying to imagine um, like 11 year old Peter of what his like thought process was when he sits under the hat of like, okay, so. Uh, I'm not particularly brave. I'm not really, I'm like competent and like clever, but I'm not like an overwhelming, like smart person who loves books and, you know, considers myself like oh, uber clever. Like I can't imagine Peter being like, ooh, I'm going to solve a puzzle to get into bed tonight, like to go into my dorm. Uh, and he's not necessarily like, I guess he's cunning because of like his 12 year con that he managed to pull off, but he's not like a, a sly, like, you know, smooth he's operator, not and he's not, amb- right, he's not ambitious, and so right. he doesn't have any of the, like, major qualities, or in, in himself overwhelming qualities of any of the other houses, so, um, it's like, he's pedigree, so, before James, who's an uber Gryffindor, so we already know, like, everyone who sees him is like, that kid's going into Gryffindor, but after Sirius, and after... Remus. So it's like he so sees, like, you know, he may have you know, seen them on the train, train or, whatever, or whatever and been like, been like ooh, I want to be like them. them. They seem they to like have formed a quick crew, a quick crew of people who look like they're like cool and, you know, capable and tough or whatever. So it's like, what is that what got him into Gryffindor House of like being like, I want to be with them, I want to be with them, I want to be with them. And, well, you know, sort of getting the hat to be like, oh, so your choice is to be in Gryffindor with them, and that's is that how he got into Gryffindor? Because what he doesn't have any overwhelming qualities for any house, enough for me to be like, well, his secondary house would have been Slytherin, for instance. Well, I think we can, what we can take from is what the hat tells Harry, right? So Harry sits under the hat and he says, not Slytherin, not Slytherin, not Slytherin. Um, and I think that um, we've talked about on the podcast before, the hat is not telling him that he's going, he um, like, I, Harry takes this hat, almost put him in Slytherin. I don't think that that's true, but I think the hat reassures him. Correct, like, correct. You know, you have, the, you have the capacity to be great and do great things and being surrounded by ambitious people can help you achieve that, right? So I think mm-hmm, when mm-hmm. 11-year-old Peter is under the hat and he sees James and he sees Sirius and he sees all these people and he aspires to be them, um, I think the hat says, like, you have that capability, um, you have that potential, so if I put you in Gryffindor, being surrounded by people with those traits will help you in your quest to fully embody that. Mm-hmm. I think he could have been sorted into any house, Um on his potential alone, and then, ex- I, except for Hufflepuff, I don't think he could have ever been a Hufflepuff because I think that loyalty is what they um, prize above all else, and he doesn't have that. Um, but I think when you're 11, and this is one of those like maybe we sort too soon things, when you're 11, you have hopefully the potential to be anything still mm-hmm. and to be yeah, come yeah. whoever you want. And it just didn't work out for him. You know, like he, <laughs> people also like to say that, you know, 
are I heard this a couple of times at Leviosacon. I don't know how widespread this is in the fandom, but that the Marauders bullied or belittled Peter um, and didn't fully accept did. him. And I don't I don't agree with that because I think like if you want to, they accepted him as much as they possibly could. Maybe he, I don't think he ever felt accepted, but that was a his like that was something. That was his shortcoming, right? So, like, mm-hmm. he wants to be friends with them, and they make him a part of the crew. He, yeah, they didn't he, have to. Yeah. He, he, them. he becomes an anime guy. He's a marauder with them. Like, they he, do not leave him out in any way. second billing on the marauder's map. Yeah. And I think, yo, like, yeah. Yo, yeah. You know, there is somebody, like, I've actually had this. It's a part of, like, and maybe Peter just has really bad anxiety disorder, <laughs> like myself, because I'm thinking about this now. There are a lot of times when... I will, like, say to someone, like, oh, I don't have any friends. And they're like, that's really rude. I'm sitting right here. I'm your friend. And I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> like, I don't like to, ju- I don't like to, like, assume anything. And they're like, we hang out all the time. And I'm like, I- <laughs> but I don't want to assume that means you're my friend. Like, you know what I mean? Like, um, and so I think that that is because of some, but the- I know that that's something in me. It's inherent in me. It's nothing about. It doesn't say anything about that other person and their friendship that they've given me. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. my unable, my inability, inability to accept that friendship for what it is and to always second guess everything and wait for the other shoe to drop, right? I'm always like, oh, we hang out right now, but that's because you don't really understand what a crazy person I actually am. And as soon as you get to know the <laughs> real me, you're going to be out the door, right? But that's <laughs> my thing. I think the same thing about Peter. Like, Peter, if if he never felt truly accepted by the Marauders, that's because he didn't allow or he didn't take their friendship at face value or at as what they were, they were giving him. He didn't trust it. But that doesn't mean that they didn't give it to him. Right. And I think that mm-hmm. another part is that, like, it's, like, kind of a similar – it's, like, a thing with um, – about Snape, about, like, Snape's memory um, and how – Worm or worm how, how Peter is basically I mean this is the same thing but still Peter's basically like <laughs> watching it happen with like glee. Um and so with him it's like he Peter like he potentially could have been bullied at some point by someone and maybe he was as like a kid before he got to Hogwarts. But rather than being like, Hey, I don't like being bullied, bullies aren't nice, let's not do ever do that. He's like no, I am totally fine. I don't want to be bullied, but I'm cool with it as a thing. And if I'm on the other end of that, then it's great. Like he, he's wants the person that's like not me, not that guy, because you're not bullying me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so it's like he wants to be on the like winning side of things, in quotes, as opposed to just being in the like, hey, you guys, let's all get along. Um, which is another <laughs> oh part of his like. Which reminds me so much of like privilege and people on Twitter and shit, like, when they're, like, always talking about, like, sorry, but, you know, hoteps, where they're talking mm-hmm. about, like, females <laughs> and blah, 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 and it's actually, like, they don't want to end racism or, like, misogyny. They mm-hmm. just want to be able to practice it freely with the white men. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they want to end racism, but they don't want to end misogyny. Right. Right. Or, and they don't see how their actions towards women are the equivalent of how white people are, you know, racist towards black people. Yeah. 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 Like, they just want to be a part of the dominating group. Mm-hmm. Um, Which, as men, they are still. 
still. Mm-hmm. We know. But, you know, like, there's there <laughs> a certain part of the population, and Peter um, definitely has the, that that side to him. I, th- I agree. It's like, while Remus, Remus is, um, re- is regretful that he didn't put an end to it, to the, to their antagonism of Snape. I'm going to say antagonism. I'm not saying bullying um, for a reason. Um, But Remus has something tangible to lose. Mm -hmm. um, And also has a, has a very realistic fear that like once the Marauders know who he is, if he does something to like really anger them or, or sever that relationship, they can out him. Right. And he may not believe them capable of it, but it's a it's a it's still a possibility. It's a possibility and he has something very tangible to lose. Peter does not have that. He yeah, he's probably he will, if he stands up to them, the worst thing that will happen is he's not part of the cool kids anymore, but his you know, he could go make other friends. Mm-hmm. You know, or be alone. I don't know, but like for Remus, the alternative or the the possibility of how wrong it can get is that he gets kicked out of school, he's ostracized, and he's not able to live a semi-normal life. Mm-hmm. So. Are we talking about Remus now? Yay! Let's go into okay, it. Remus. Uncle Remus. Or, no, no, no. <laughs> Uncle Mooney. Uncle Mooney. Uncle Mooney. <laughs> Um, uh, obviously the biggest thing about Remus is his uh, condition as you know Uncle Mooney (laughs) Um, and it it obviously like obviously affects everything that like all of his personality um, and everything that it affects all of his decisions Um, so as we were saying he's sort of the 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 wise one and the one that reigns them in but he could have done so much more but because of his fear that not only did he have the fear that you know if he's you know standing up to James and Sirius that they might be like you know what we're gonna tell everybody that you're a werewolf but also um I'm pretty sure the day he got his prefect letter and we don't know how many Gryffindor boys there are, but I'm pretty sure the day he got his prefect letter, he's like, Dumbledore, what are you doing? This means everybody's going to be looking at me. So, like, he doesn't want attention, not just, like, for his friends to not want to be his friend any out and out him anymore, but if he's too much in the public eye, people are going to be like, oh, hey, that Remus kid, he disappears once a month. I wonder what that's all about. Um, so he lives his life with the 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 utmost attention to being as invisible as possible so that nobody figures out his secret and so that obviously affects how he deals with the marauders because it's like oh he's the one who stood up to them let me look at let me look at him some more no no don't pay attention to me i don't want no no i'm good (laughs) you know he um defers a lot Mm mm-hmm yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that, yeah, like what you're saying, like his being a werewolf colors like literally everything he does from like being really afraid to like open up to his friends about being a werewolf um, to being extremely grateful and feeling like he owes them when they like don't care. And then when they mm-hmm. like decide that they're going to like change themselves in order to like make him feel better. Um, and then to and the fact that like. Uh, yeah, and to keep him safe, and then to the and then to the point where like 
he um, then loses them, like all of them. He believes two of them to be dead, and he believes that one of them is responsible for it. And so, and, and at the same time, he's unable to find work. He's, you know what I mean? Like, there's so many. Remus's life is literally mm-hmm. the worst. Um, but he, it's, and so then even when he's like back in school, like Snape is trying to get him kicked out, like trying to drop to people that he's aware of. Like, it's always present. Um, and then we see it the, like, probably the most in, um, like the end of Half-Blood Prince and then um, one a chapter in Deathly Hollows um, when Tonks is like like Tonks is in love with him or he they're in love with each other and he's like nah I don't want to we can't do this because I'm a werewolf and she's like well I don't give a fuck um, and so that like his um, his condition like kind of it limits him, but it's really, it's not his condition that's limiting him, it's his, like, mind and his own, like, fears um, that do that, and so we see, like, in Deathly Hollows when he comes to Grimaud Place to, and he's like, hey, I'm gonna come with you guys on your quest and, like, help you find these horcruxes or whatever. And Harry's like, bitch, I wish you would! And Harry's like, nah, fam, you have, like, a wife and a pregnant wife, what are you doing? Um, and like, okay, I'm sorry, I have to find the package because it's like super. No, but wait, no, go home, Alexander. Do don't do this to us. <laughs> Leave us sorry. alone. No, I don't want wait. it. It is too late. Wait. Oh, you're the worst. But he's sorry. But okay, well, I have to say, go home, Alexander. Is that what you said? Yes. 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 <laughs> because it's like, dude, you have a pregnant wife at home. You cannot. You cannot be here. You cannot join this war right now because your wife is pregnant at home. And then Tonks yeah. is thinking that would be enough. That's an, that's an order from your commander. Oh my goodness, Tonks is Eliza oh, Hamilton. Hamilton. That was a, a really good one, Connie. I, um, I also want to say but while you're late, Robin, you I already. Yeah, I was like, don't. I don't want it. Get over. I don't want it. Cover your ears. Um. So. So Harry's asking. Um. Yeah, so um, Lupin. So Harry asks about Tonks, and Lupin's like, "She'll be perfectly safe. They're looking after her." Harry, I'm sure James would have wanted me to stick with you. Um, Harry says, "I'm not. I'm pretty sure my father would have wanted to know why you aren't sticking with your own kid." Um, Lupin, you don't understand. Um, Harry asks him to explain, and he says, "I made a grave mistake in marrying Tonks. I did it against my better judgment, and I've regretted it very much ever since." Um, don't you understand what I've done to my wife and my unborn child? I should never have married her. I've made her an outcast. You've only ever seen me amongst the Order or under Dumbledore's protection at Hogwarts. You don't know how most of the wizarding world sees creatures like me. Um, he doesn't even see himself as a human. No. Um, that line always carries It's <sighs> freaking, like, it's ridiculous. Um, when they know of my affliction, they can barely talk to me. Don't you see what I've done? Even her own family is disgusted by our marriage. What parents want their only daughter to marry a werewolf? Um, my And then he says, and the child, the child, my kind don't usually breed. Um, it will be like me. I am convinced of it. How can I forgive myself when I knowingly risked passing my own condition to an innocent child? Um, and if by some miracle it is not like me, then it will be better off a hundred times so without a father of whom it may it must always be ashamed. Um, oh God. I hate these books. I mean, I love them, but I hate them. I just um, like you. If by some miracle is also a Hamilton line. If by some miracle, it is. That would be enough. Um, 
Oh my gosh. So anyway, just like nerding out for Hogwarts skills. Him for Hogwarts. I think the what's really interesting is as much as like you like I agree that his condition colors every part about him, but I in in some terrible ways. But also I think the reason why he is the most chill of the Marauders is because he had to grow up really fast. Mm-hmm. He's been... Yeah, yeah. Um, he's the most restrained mm-hmm. because he has a side of him that's, like, completely out of control. Yes. And I think, like, you know, mm-hmm. this is supposed mm-hmm. to be a allegory to AIDS and, you know, kind of the social ramifications of that, but that also kind of also reminded me of um, being in the closet back when it wasn't safe or okay to be gay and the and the way that people had to hide these parts of themselves and never wanted to like really um accept who they were i think in in the way that he characterizes himself as a creature he's taken on a lot of that societal what's the word I'm looking for? Um, like ideals? Yeah, like, like he's he's internalized a lot of these um, misguided ideals that aren't true. You know what I mean? Like, um, especially with the Wolfsbane potion, he's able to keep his mind. He's not going to be as dangerous. He does as much as he possibly can to be very responsible um, as a werewolf, you know, like going to the Shrieking Shack or locking himself up or, you know what I mean, Um, and being in the woods away from people. And I think that there is a way in which, you know, people that have these things that make them outcast in society believe the worst about themselves even while they're actively trying to be their best to be the best people that they can be. Mm-hmm. Um, and it allows for a lot of empathy. Like he shows, Remus shows so much empathy to Harry, to other people that he comes across. But in this really brutal way, is not able to extend that empathy to himself. Like he mm-hmm. doesn't give himself a break at all. <laughs> Fuck this book. <laughs> Sad now. It's like it's oh, really, it's really um, heartbreaking, but it also it's just super telling. And I think that it's it like that particular passage sheds light on pretty much like his whole like from being a kid to um, like his adult life, just like how he's framed, like how he thinks about himself. You know what's and really the fact funny that too? That doesn't sorry, change sorry. despite all of like the acceptance that he's gotten from people. Like I'm sure the like bigotry has outweighed the acceptance, but like in terms of like quantity, um, but I do think that like the qual like the friendships that he got and like the support that he got from Dumbledore especially, um was like huge, but because he spent most of his life not under that protection, he's like has he's able to internal continue internalizing that. Um, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I think too, what's really interesting and telling about how he reacts to becoming a father 
is the fact that Lyle, which is also kind of like a, it means wolf or something like that, which is kind of mm-hmm. weird. Um, but he has a lot of guilt about Lupin um, becoming a werewolf because it, you know, Finrod did that as retaliation mm-hmm. in some whatever weird way that Finrod's mind works. Um, and so in in that, you, it makes you wonder, like, how feeling that guilt changes the way that Lyle interacts with Lupin as a child. So he always has been looked at through an eye of pity, you know? Like, I don't think that Lyle... Um, ostracizes him or whatever but he does pity him and feels guilty for bringing him into the world to be able to be bitten and made into a werewolf you know what I mean and so to have a father that is kind of um not accepting of you in his own right like he he's accepting of him obviously he loves him but there is still this this part of him that feels very guilty about who he is. Right, it's um, not okay that he's a werewolf. Like, as much, he loves he loves his son, but it's not okay that he's a werewolf. Whereas, like, yeah. the way Harry, Hermione, and Ron treat him and stuff, they're like, I don't care that you're a werewolf. Yeah, and, um, and, and it's not that, like, I love you in spite of it. It's like, it's that's like, who you are. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's part of who you are. I'm, don't be ashamed of it. You shouldn't be ashamed. We're not ashamed of you. We're not ashamed of that part of you. And that is a different kind of love mm-hmm. Um than he got growing up and I think that he also transferred that like guilt that Lyle felt for him onto how he feels for Teddy. Right. Fuck these mm. books. And I like um, too much. I like and I like what you said earlier about how he had to mature faster. And so the balance of the Marauder as a crew is just very interesting because it's like the old man Remus at 12 or whatever. And then you have these like stunted, you know, children who just these men who like never grew up and like serious part of it is that he couldn't because he spent 12 years in Azkaban and so literally could not mentally mature any faster. He did his waiting. Um, and so it's like there this drastic difference and we don't see a lot of Remus and Sirius's interactions after, like, they get to reunite. But that's got to be, like, a weird dynamic because it's, like, you know, um, Sirius is back in the world ready to, like, you know, get out there and fight. And he can't. Like, he's restricted. But um, Remus is out there, like, able to, to, to help out. And he's also sort of suppressing his ability to do so because he, you know, I'm pretty sure Dumbledore earlier was like, so you want to hang out with them werewolves and like get them on our side or what? And he's resisting all of that, but he's like, old man, like I can't do this. I, I'm old. I'm mature. And Sirius is like, no, let's go play. Let's go outside. Let's do this. <laughs> so yeah, that dynamic also, must have been know, interesting. In the same way that, in the same way that Sirius is in hiding and underground, Remus is too. Like, mm-hmm. He's, but he's mm-hmm. always lived that way. Mm-hmm. He has this one shining year at Hogwarts and gets to explore and do things that he isn't usually able to do. But before he was a teacher at Hogwarts, he was underground, you know, kind of mm-hmm. being the drifter that everyone thought that James was. 
So I kind of want to segue. Um, let me now, but um, I made you guys watch Snape and the Marauders. You did indeed, indeed, indeed. The fan indeed. movies. So I'm gonna set this up because I I started this, but I was in the hadn't seen the movie, um, and I was boiling with rage. And I think if you go <laughs> back and look at the Osakon recap, there is like the set rage tweeting about what it is. But I gotta I gotta find some level of chill and acceptance with Snape stands, but I can't. I gotta <laughs> I. I am a little serious e when it comes to like Snape stands and the way that Sirius thinks of Slytherins, you know. <laughs> but um, the fan film posits <laughs> they've just graduated from Hogwarts and they're getting ready to, you know, go really join the war. Um, and they <laughs> get together at a pub. It's probably the Hogshead or. Um, the three broomsticks, I'm assuming. Um, and Snape walks in and they have like this confrontation. Um, piss contest, basically, is what it Basically, is. it's one large piss contest. Um, it's supposed to show <laughs> the antagonism around their relationship, but it really does kind of come at it from the Marauders bully Snape perspective in a way that I wasn't okay with. Um, and there's a point where um, in the panel, not in the, in the, in the fan movie, you guys can go, it, it's free, it's on YouTube, it's called Snape and the Marauders. It's actually really well done. The effects the are effects amazing. The effects are really, yeah, the effects are um, awesome. For like, you know, it was like a Kickstarter type of thing and they did a good job of production. The storyline, um, is where I have issues. And one of the things, one of the questions that was asked in this panel was like, why do you think James saved Sirius? Or, God dang it, I keep doing that. Why do you think James um, stopped Sirius from sending Snape to Remus? And why did he save his life? And the creator of the movie says, you know, I, it was just, it was the right thing to do. Doesn't want to lose all this goodwill that he's built up with Lily and he doesn't like Snape but doesn't think that he should should die. I um, really quickly can I just interject one little thing. Um the I don't I don't really like the idea that like I mean like I think yeah James stopped doing some stuff because he wanted to like be on you know like he, before Lily but at the same time I feel like and I'm not saying you're doing this, I just mean, like, people saying it in general. Yeah. Um, when they say, like, oh, he changed for Lily, it makes it seem like he's, like, or not even to change, but, like, he treat, started treating people differently for Lily. It makes it seem like it's not genuine and, like, yes. he didn't change, but he's, like, pretending so that Lily would, like, get with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, so that's just, like, the one thing about that answer is, like... Yeah, and I totally agree, and that was something that I, you know... Same. I thought when he had answered it, but then I, you know, afterwards I went to see the movie and they did a screening of it and I, you know, um, was really kind of in love with, I was, you know, my tweeting was like, you have Mm. to see this movie because I was so in love with how well done it was. Mm -hmm. But if he 
saved his if he saved Snape's life because that was the right thing to do and because he didn't want to lose Lily or whatever, if we take that tact, I think he saved Snape's life because it was the right thing full stop. Yeah. Um, yeah. But if we do that and then we go and we look at this, which should which in chronology this fan movie happens after that, it doesn't fit. Yep. Because James does right. a lot of things to Snape, which and I would just like I'd rather take on a werewolf. <laughs> like I, um, yeah. And the Marauder's interaction with Snape. It's very interesting. So the movie start. It opens with the four of them um, drinking and talking about what they're going to do next and all this other stuff. Correct. And then Snape walks in, and Sirius is the one that draws attention to him and says, like, we should, you know, one last time, let's mess with them or whatever. <laughs> and James is like, yeah. But then James becomes, like, the ringleader of this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And the, then it feels... Sorry, but... And then the, the conceit of the movie is that Snape comes to the bar to find Lily and do one last plea to, for her to forgive him. Um, Cause they've graduated Hogwarts now and he doesn't know when he'll see her again, yada, yada, yada. So I just want to go from there and the thoughts that you guys had and I'll sprinkle in my thoughts too, but I think we're, yeah, <laughs> go for it. Um, I obviously have a big problem with James's antagonism. Um, it, just in terms of, like you just said, the chronology doesn't quite work because um, if this is after the Owls incident where, you know, Lily sort of yells at them both and if this is after the moment where James is like, oh, wait, I don't want my friend to have killed either one of my friends because it would be both on Remus and Sirius's conscience that if Snape had actually died. Um, so if it's after both of these really big moments in James's um, life and his like emotional growth, it really doesn't make sense for him to then um, see Snape in this bar and to be like, you know what we should do one last time, because it's not a one last time situation. It's more of a, um, of a let's get him for good situation. Like it becomes in the movie, it becomes like we, they're throwing curses at each other in like a park. They like go off and, like, start, like, really doing each other in until there's this big moment where, like, they throw fiend fire at Snape. And I'm like, but how, one, first, <laughs> first, it doesn't make sense for them to, like, want to, like, harm him in this way. And then second, it's, like, for them to all agree in this moment, like, even Remus, even Peter, who, you know, probably wants to antagonize people, but I don't think at this point he's, like, down to be, like, attacking and killing Snape is w- which is what Fiendfire would do because I forget if it's Crab or Goyle but like their antagonism towards Snape doesn't make sense in the chronology especially knowing what comes after and that they're in a war and that they're fighting um, against Death Eaters so it's like if this were a, a natural like you know Snape came in with his crew and it's against 
the Marauders, that would make more more sense in terms of like them actually going hard against each other. But but for it to be like Snape alone in the bar and them to be like all four of them as a crew, like that's that's just unfair. That that's actual bullying, and I don't think that they would they wouldn't do that in in the in in canon. Their canon like characterizations wouldn't do that, especially in this moment because they're just graduated from school and they're about to join the order like this is not order worthy behavior you know set it up with a throwaway line of like well he knows more spells than all of us combined as if that then somehow makes sense for four against one which no like if it's a friendly duel the way that you know Lockhart wanted to do between Draco and Harry it's still one-on-one and then you have your second mm-hmm. in case you die or you're un- unable to carry on. <laughs> but at a certain point, they it's it's James and Sirius versus Snape, and they're losing, and James kind of bullies Remus and Peter into joining the fight, you know? Like, yeah. Remus doesn't really want to do it. Remus would never. Yeah, and, and there's a little pushback of, like, I don't want to do this, but he still ends up doing it, and I don't think Remus would ever have done it. Um, he would have never. He would have just been like, time to go. Um, I think what's also interesting when you say it like that is like, there is no, Snape, Snape is a lonely character, but there's, is there, there's nothing that says he, he, he was, he had friends. He was, he made friends with Death Eaters. He, I think like, Dulcibur maybe like somewhat like a Death Eater that we meet later is referenced in the scene where he goes to Lily's like dorm he goes outside the Gryffindor common room and it's just like Lily I'm sorry like forgive me and she throws back at him like you've been hanging out with like Avery and and like Death Eaters that we've met in like Order of the Phoenix when they were chasing them in the prophecy room so like he's definitely friends with current Death Eaters that we as current characters are still Death Eaters in the present of the books. He, Yeah, he should have been alone. I don't know if that's just a matter of, like, you then have to hire more actors and, you know, it is a fan film, so we have to give them, like, right, you know, some leeway there, but, like, they had extras. They had, like, they did this thing where people, like, they had extras show up, so I'm sure they could have just had extras be, play like, Death Eaters. Um, yeah, there are people in the bar. Yeah. Um, it was it was like one of the Kickstarter things right. that like if you donated you could show up to the filming and you could be an extra, um, and I think that yeah, there are people in the bar. Be there alone, and then having that four on one duel scene. One, it makes it Snape is a very good wizard. That is like a objectively true fact, and we see that in the books, and we see that. Um, he he flies the way that Voldemort flies. He is able to do um, spells the same way that Dumbledore is able to do spells. His occlumency is... He's able to invent spells. Yeah, his occlumency is on another level because he's able to, like, keep Voldemort out of his head. Or, which I think is more probably more true, he's able to, like, only show Voldemort what he wants Voldemort to see. So I do think that one of the biggest failings of that movie um, was that Snape was alone. But the other thing that really, really bothered me, and this goes back to like everything that we were saying, was that when 
Snake walks into the bar. James's reaction is kind of it's it's another one of those like he's trying to win Lily back. It's like a they're rivals against for Lily's affections. And it's weird. Like it's, that was one of the things for me where um it they it feels like in the way that they talk about it is they try to play it off as it's like oh no we already know he's gonna be a Death Eater so we should just get him out of the way now for like the cause of yeah, like or yeah. or whatever but that's like not what it's very clear that it's about Lily. Uh, in a way that's really gross and like doesn't make sense either. Yes, really and really gross. It's really gross. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think and and what's really funny too is like I think the actors did a great job and they like I said like the effects are really good and what was really weird was that the characterization of Peter ends up being my favorite. Um, because I I think it gives a good example of. Or I think it does a pretty good job of summarizing, like, Peter in terms of, like, a lack of self-confidence and a lack of really, like, like he stands a little bit apart. Like, he's the only, they're all, like, in black and really cool, and he's wearing his Gryffindor colors, like, really bright. Like, <laughs> I'm a cool kid, you know, I'm a Gryffindor. I don't know what that is, but... Um, <laughs> But then it kind of fails on the other regard because I'm like, I, it, I totally understand why Peter isn't all about this because I'm not all about this. Right. <laughs> like, like he's actually the one with some sense. So, um, yeah, I think you guys should – I would say that it's definitely worth watching. Um, but there is, it's, it's weird how that's like – probably the biggest fan movie and they also have another movie where they do where he did um Dumbledore versus Grindelwald which I guess we can talk about in Duffy Hollows I saw it yeah so did I um it was interesting I I do agree that that was interesting I think this guy really just loves the duels though he he spends a lot of time on the duel Mm -hmm. in this movie too (laughs) which I'm fine with because it was really cool there was only one part I didn't like, and that was yeah. the priority yeah. and cantatum part, where I was like, that only works yeah. in certain situations. It doesn't work, like, just all the time. But that was it. <laughs> that <Yeah>. was it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I think it just kind of ties into this, like, and it, it's a good way to start the conversation about the Marauders in, in relation to Snape and how that shows up in the books and then in the fandom in general. Because I think that there is, the the one thing is, like, we're seeing this through Harry's eyes. Snape is the one consistent person that spans the Marauder's life at Hogwarts and Harry's life at Hogwarts. But it's very much conceivable, like, what Connie, like, Connie, like what you said, the Death Eaters that we know are Death Eaters and are still Death Eaters, they have the similar relationship with. It's just that they're not working at Hogwarts. Yeah. So... Yeah. You know, um, so it ends up kind of feeling like this four against one thing. Mm-hmm. Also, how is Snape that tight? I don't, I don't believe that he's that good. Not that he's bad, <laughs> but like four against one. But like four really, four when four it's serious one, and James and still like he still wins. Yeah. Like you're not Dumbledore. Yeah. You're not like, well, and it's also not like it's four Peters or four Remuses even. I mean, no, because Remus is great. So like, it's like four of the ta- most talented, like it's head boy, like prefect, like they were top of their class, 
in at school and they're about to be in the order and we we know for a fact that James later on bests like double like Voldemort three times and that's in conjunction with Lily and like their powers together but like we know that he's so good by himself slash with his wife that he can go up against Voldemort three times and still live so like for you to be four against one with Snape who's very good and we've just said and we just said that like Vol- like Snape has like becomes to be like Voldemort level like wizard because he can do some of the same like weird tricks that Voldemort pulls off. But like for it to be four, no, yeah, four against one yeah, with like the not, top of the class, and then Snape. Snape. Yeah, it's not four. Um, yeah, it doesn't. Level. It doesn't. It doesn't match. It yeah. doesn't compute. <laughs> yeah, all. it doesn't compute. Yeah, and then it like upsets me that. Um, some of the, like, it just, you know, it kind of leads to the idea that the Marauders provoked Snape into doing bad things when he was already doing them. Like, he came up with Sectumsempra as a 16-year-old by himself, like, with no one, like, I mean, with the Death Eaters, like, but that he didn't come up with that spell because he was trying to, like, they were bullying him and he had to fight back, like, he came up with that because he thought it was a cool, like, oh, snap, I can slice people open kind of thing. Before Voldemort entered his mind. Exactly. Um, right. That was, like, so a, that was a, like, a defining factor. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so in the movie, it's sort of like they have this duel in the park, and they're sort of, like, put in, like, you know, and the, like we said, like, the, the, they're really well done, like, spells in the movie. So, like, there's this one where they're, like, throwing arrows from the wand or whatever. And I'm like, oh, snap, that's dope. But, um, yeah, and so, and then, like, the, 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 the tides sort of change where, like, Snape is finally, like, getting, um, because all four of them joined the fight, um, he's sort of now finally, um, like, starting to lose. So then he pulls out, you know, Sectumsempra and, like, Unforgivables. Like, he starts to do Crucio. But it's 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 reinforcing the idea that you know it's sort of like equal between them until yeah until they provoke him to start using unforgivable curses when okay first of all you shouldn't you shouldn't be provoked that far because the marauders would never be provoked that far to start using unforgivables against you like they they put soap in your underwear like what's the problem like it's never it's not that serious so um that bothers me a lot the fact that they're it it's reinforcing the idea that like he's you know being bullied but like they provoke him so badly that that's the only reason why he starts to like do dark stuff yeah you know it's really interesting too as you say that so two things it's like he i think they show that he is able to like read their minds so he sees what's coming um but then when it becomes four on one it's too much so he can't that's when he starts pulling out the unforgivable stuff when it's him versus James and uh-huh. even him and James versus Sirius, he knows what they're going to do before they do it. Because he's, he's like Neo. Them. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's like Voldemort. Like, he's, he can hear their as, thoughts. He's doing like Legilimens or whatever and he can hear mm-hmm. their thoughts. Um, so he's, he's able to stay a step ahead of them. Um, but in the same way that we talked about taking away Lily's agency of like, she's not a prize to be won or whatever, it also takes away kind of Snape's agency that he made decisions to become a Death Eater. He made decisions to fall, like he believed in blood purity to a certain level. He names himself the Half-Blood Prince and says something along very similar to um, (laughs) Voldemort in terms of like my muggle father, you know? He 
he comes to that because of his um, hatred of his father and the feeling, the negative feelings he has towards his own father. But in every step of the way, he makes those decisions. It's not James pushing him into a corner and the only way out is Voldemort. That's not how that works. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, there are plenty of people that I don't get along with and, like, we said, you know, like, the whole, like, I just don't mess with you thing, right? I right. don't like you, so therefore I have to go uh, and join your mortal enemy or whatever. You know, like, it's, that's not how life works, right? You know what I mean? It's just, like, I don't like James, so I'm not going to hang out. Or I'm going to go bully him with some other guy. I'm not. It, it doesn't mean I'm going to go become a death eater. Yeah. Like, the Death Eater, like, mentality is something that is not something that you take on because you don't like two people Mm -hmm. or four people. Um, It's a very extreme place to go. Right. Like, like they're literally wizard Nazis, and, like, their ideals are, like, (laughs) super extreme, and it's not just the group of, like you're saying, it's not a group of people who, like, were bullied and are like, let's turn it back on them. It's like, no, they have very specific ideals. And, like, they are willing to kill for them um, and, like, wreak havoc on the, and, like, terrorize. Like, so. And, yeah, and they were already in pres- positions of privilege. Like, they weren't the underdog who's, like, fi- finally fighting back. And it's like, oh, you know, it, it was never like, oh, the blood, you know, if you're the purest of blood, we're gonna, you know, we've been downtrodden all this time. So now we're fighting back. <laughs> it's like, we already had power and we're afraid and we of more. like sharing it. Yeah. We are afraid of sharing it with like people who are underprivileged, but so <clears throat> we're going to, and yet um, magic you know, in North America and, uh, happened. <clears throat> Continue on. Sorry. <laughs> but yes, yes. All of the themes, the reason why it's so easy to talk about it in these terms is because these are things that we are dealing with now. Well, it's no, so you real. Know what? And it's really funny too because <laughs> as you were saying that, I was thinking of the people who were like huge Bernie Sanders supporters who were like, Hillary's crooked. I'm going to go vote for Trump. Mm. Like, mm. That's not how that works, right? And, and, and vice versa, <laughs> like people who are very, like, they really love Ted Cruz, um, but they hate Trump and now they're like, got to vote Hillary. Like, so you're just going to vote against, and I'd be like, I'm cool with that if so, like, just please do not vote for Trump. That's scary. But, like, <laughs> the, the alternative would be that you would go and vote, like, Gary Johnson, who is, like, the extreme, like, not extreme right, but the libertarian, so the extra right of the Republican Party, or you would go vote Green Party instead of voting for Hillary, right? You don't go vote Trump instead of Bernie. Like, that's not how that works. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And that also means that, like, what you're railing against is, is not what you say you're railing against, right? Like, so actually there's something deeper there because you would be able to see that cognitive dissonance. Um, and mm-hmm. what's also interesting about Snape in relation to the Marauders, I think, is the, the coloring of his relationship. I mean, I guess this is more of a Snape thing, and it kind of goes back to stunted adolescence, but I'm just kind of interested in how his relationship with James and his, I guess, maybe we buy James stole Lily from him. Like, whether or not that's true or not, maybe that's 
how Snape sees it. And is that, therefore, how he's able to treat Harry the way that he does? Totally. You know, like, he's not above, like, he definitely is, like, he's, like, the friend zone. Like, that's, he's, that's his, his little niche. Yeah. Is, like, the nice guys finish last type shit. Mm-hmm. Despite him also mm-hmm. being a baby Nazi. <laughs> um, but, like... <laughs> But yeah, just kind of like talk, thinking through like Snape's relationship. Mm-hmm. I totally think that's what it is, and I totally think that he was betrayed. He felt betrayed when Lily like ended up like getting with James. Like he like of all the people that he yeah needed. of all yeah, and it's like so. And there's a moment where like in one of the flashbacks um, where like they're arguing because Lily's like, "Dude, you gotta stop hanging out with these like wannabe Death Eaters." Um, and then Snape is like, well, everyone likes James Potter, which is like a child. Um, and she's like, well, I don't like, he's, he's bad too. And then Snape immediately, instead of listening to the, what the rest of Lily is saying, immediately just like savors that moment. Like she doesn't like James. So it's just all him like (laughs) projecting his bullshit onto her, um, which we've already talked about, but I think that's definitely a part of it. Like he already hated James, but then it's like on top of it, then he married the woman that like he thought he loved or he, that yeah. Um or that he loved in whatever weird way that he did. So I definitely think that's part of it. And I think that like Harry being around and it's like he has to see um like this doppelganger of like his worst enemy, but then who also has like features and like personality traits of like someone who he really cared about. So then he acts like an asshole, which isn't an excuse. It's just what he does. Mm-hmm. It's an explanation. <laughs> yeah. I think um, it's so weird to think about, um, and Connie, like, I'm going to ask you this too, is all of those things, like, just make it very clear that he never really loved Lily, right? Because yeah. if you really loved her, you A, you would have respected her choices. B, you would have listen to her entire sentence, which was, like, what Diana was saying, you would have listened to her stance instead of just, like, oh, you know, you're one of the good ones, or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, see, you would have been able to love her child, you know? As many, as much as he looks like James, and has personality traits of James, it's also said that he has personality traits of Lily, and we all know whose eyes he has. Um, oh my God! <laughs> but he doesn't do that. So my question is: so then, what are the Snape fans seeing that we're not seeing, or how are they? He was a tortured soul. And I mean, honestly, it's like a societal thing, right? Because I think that even Joe, in a way, is a Snape fan. Like she oh, had that whole Twitter thing, and we like went on a rant about it in like an early episode. Um, <laughs> about her interpretation of Snape, and so it's not, so, like, we know what the intention of Snape is, but we also know what the actual depiction is, um, and I think that in society, generally, like, when you find out, oh, he was good all along, oh, he really loved Lily, that's why he did all the things he did, that makes so much sense without actually looking at, like, the hard facts of, like, what he did, you know what I mean, like, without going back to, like, the actual actions that he took, it's very easy to just be like, oh, he's good now, and making it real, like, black and white, and real just, like, um, it's like this, it makes him redeemable, and I think in their eyes it makes him redeemable, um, 
Whereas, like, I think it makes him human. I don't think it makes him redeemable, though. Like, he's, it just adds more yeah. flaws to him. And it's like, it makes him three dimensional. Yeah. It makes but, him three dimensional. Yeah. yeah. It makes him three dimensional, but it doesn't make him necessarily, like, good. And I think people conflate the two. There's um, this, yeah, there's this, like, need for everyone to package good versus evil, right and wrong. Um, which, as Potterheads, I have a big problem with because the whole point of the book and like she said like <laughs> Joe says you know whenever I wanted to really make I would have Dumbledore say it and Dumbledore says there's a time to choose what is easy what is right and what is easy and I don't think that choosing to applaud Snape is right <laughs> or right you know, I mean like and we can even think about like the fact that like we don't um we should probably wrap up soon though because we're like yeah it's been a long time but um there's a like the, there's a moment where um like we see in one of those flashbacks where like he if we if he was like totally good if we were like oh no he's redeemed and he's like changed himself he would have pled he would have like pleaded with um pled is not a word he would have pleaded with Voldemort to save James and Harry as well when he found out yes. when he found out about the prophecy mm-hmm. and he told Voldemort about it and he found out that Voldemort thought that he meant the Potters instead of running to Dumbledore to plead for Lily's life and pleading for Lily's life to Voldemort and not give not caring whether James died or whether Harry died all he cared about was Lily and because in his mind somehow he thought that like if the if the son and the husband are away then maybe Lily will come back to me which is like how with like all the things that you've done, it including turning to, in her family, like being responsible yeah, for their, the death like, of her family, all of a sudden, you're the only one left. Like it was always, it you, was always not, not gonna happen. Um, <laughs> but it's like if he had really changed, he would have been like, nah, I'm not gonna let this happen. Period to any of them, as opposed to just like pleading for the one life that he, he would have done what Regulus did. You said what? He would have acted the way that Regulus Black acted. Yep. Which was, oh, I now understand the whole plan. None of this can happen. Mm-hmm. You know? And now I'm going to put mm-hmm. my life on the line to stop it. Not, oh, no, they're going to kill the love of my life. What do I do? Um, fuck the people that she loves. Um, yeah, it's just super toxic and, like, not Including a child. Like, Including you know, a child. Yeah. A baby. like, as Harry... Harry, as a baby, like, is spawn of James, but, like, is a child and doesn't have any of James's like, qualities or features. Like, there's a level of, like, okay, if this person, if, um, if Harry comes in looking exactly like James, your brain goes to a place. You remind me of a girl I used to know. Like, <laughs> it's very much of, like, okay, so, you know, you see him in his, like, more mature state of, like, looking exactly like this guy you hated. But, like, as a baby, he has no qualities, no features, no personality. And you still were like, screw the baby. I don't care. What kind of sense does that make? And it, again, once again, proves that he could have never actually loved who Lily was because that's literally... You can't love someone like, and be cool with them. Their baby being killed. Right? Yeah. It makes no sense. You can't love someone and be okay with their baby being murdered. And even Dumbledore, like, and that's one of the, like, Dumbledore definitely, like, uses Snape's, like, love or whatever of Lily, but he's also disgusted by it. Like, there's that moment where he's like, after all this time, I'm sure really, because, wait, now I want to see, like, was there, did he have a facial expression 
<laughs> or does it just say after all this time? Because I think it, it says Dumbledore. because when he um. Because there's a see look look so, so Dumbledore says if she when he goes to like when he when Snape goes to Dumbledore the first time and says um, if she means so much to you surely Lord Voldemort will spare her could you not ask for mercy for the mother in exchange for the son I have I have asked him you disgust me said Dumbledore like yeah. Dumbledore is not having it <laughs> like it's not as romantic like the after all this time after he shows the thing yeah doesn't say doesn't say Dumbledore do anything. It just oh, wait, no, it says his eyes are full of tears, but, like, why, though? Dumbledore's probably, he's probably pity or some shit, or he's, like, really? He's, like, you're a sad, After sad all man. all this time, you're just a, yeah. Like, you're at that point. Sad, sad, broken man. Because, like, how, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't get it. Snape is a problem. Yeah. So, I think yeah. that does a really good job of, like, I don't actually, know. like, we can't wrap our discussion of the Marauders on Snape. So, who mm-hmm. is your favorite Marauder? <laughs> I already kind of know the answer, but I think it's a good wrap-up. And why? Well, Remus J. Lupin, I feel like I just identify with him a lot, just in terms of being the quiet one, the the restrained one. I remember in high school, I was also in a group of four. There was no Peter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I was also in a group of four where I was like, okay, I'm the one who's reining them in when, you know, high school, you know, frivolities would happen. So it's like we were in the, like, high school library, and it's just like, guys, we're in a library, we can't be this loud. I was that one, and I feel like Remus is also that one. Um, I just love his, like, sensibility and, like, the fact that he's mature but can also have a sense of humor, and so he, um, and he's not afraid to let that show. Um, I think he would have been not only more, um, he would have had more of an ability to stand up to Remus, I mean, to Sirius and James if he hadn't been a werewolf, but he also probably would have been more like them if he hadn't been a werewolf, like, with the, he had, like, a very clear sense of humor, and um, I just enjoy how uh, how he interacts with Harry and with all of his students because he's very much a a listener and a person who listens to your problems and will try and figure out how he could fix them and wants to help you and listens to you. Like he's not just a person who wants to help anybody and like, but he like tailors his, his response and his, um, his, his effort towards who you are as a person. Um, so I really enjoy that. And because also he's so sad and needs so much love because his life is so sad. Um, for me, it alternates between Remus and Sirius. It depends on the day. Right now, because we talked about both of them, I feel like it's equal. Um, I think it depends on, like, when we're talking about them. Also, just, like, how I'm feeling. But, um, like, Remus, for, like, the same reasons you said, like, definitely, like, that was me, too. Um, with Sirius, I think, like, part of it is just I feel really bad for both of them. And I hate that their lives are so horrible. Um, Mm -hmm. I think with with Sirius, um, and I guess it shows up, well, yeah, I mean, it shows up a little bit in this, in Prisoner of Azkaban, but just, like, the way that he, like, cares for Harry in particular um, is, like, we could, like, the we can see in the way that he cares for Harry, like, the way that he also cared for, like, his friends. Um, I mean, and still does for, like, the ones, well, for Remus. Um, And... It's, like, the way that he drops everything when it's, like, 
you know what I mean? When like somebody he loves is in need, he's mm-hmm. like, I'm there now. You know what I mean? Like that. I feel like I feel like, I, I feel like right everyone now. needs a friend like that, where he's just like, Nah, what do you need? I'm coming. You know what I mean? That's true. Um, at, I mean, and, and you know, at the same time, he's like super flawed, and like we didn't we've talked about it, and we'll continue to talk about it. Um, but I think that Remus is too. Um, and I also really yeah. like them together, especially when they're um, she ships parenting them. Harry. Well, that like that's not even what I was talking about, but um, <laughs> I was thinking more just in terms of like the when they parent Harry together. Um, I think they balance each other out really well. Um, and also, yes, I was just thinking just... about that balance because. Sorry, yeah, I was just thinking about that balance because. Um, Remus is the person you like talk to about your problems, but Sirius is the one that you go out and like, we gotta go now and go fix it. So mm-hmm. it's a, a very much a, like an action versus reaction kind of balance that is really good because you know when Harry needs something, he's like he works it out with Remus. But if he needs something done right now, he goes to Sirius. And I think that his, I think that with That's Harry, his first thought. Yeah, I think Harry's first thought is Sirius, but then when re- when he get when he like in the moment where he like is like he he needed to talk to Sirius after seeing Snape's memory, um, but Remus was there and he's like, well, you I mean you could talk to me about this too, you know what I mean? Like he's, mm-hmm. um, and like I mean this particular book that we're on like is a lot about the bonding between Harry and Remus, and like while Remus doesn't show up as like prominently in um the books, like their relationship is really solid, and so even, like, yeah, it's, like, even if he gets Remus instead of Sirius, it's fine. Like, he, he's not, like, well, dang, can you go find him? <laughs> or, like, why are you here? He's, like, all right, cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. We know who you love, Robin. Yeah, but I think, um, I, I like everything that you guys are saying, but I also think the, the, the thing that I love about Sirius is he's so passionate in his love. Like, the, the thing that makes me, that draws me to Sirius or like, if, it sounds weird. Like, I don't think that I'm, I'm a lot like him, but I think then the one thing that I am like him about is like, he does everything at a hundred. He doesn't like sugarcoat. <laughs> he feels, he feels everything at a hundred. He's always at like, he's, he goes zero to 50 real quick. Well, <laughs> and I, and I, and I get that. And um, I understand the, the pitfalls of that. But I, I love it anyway. <laughs> um, I relate to it because that's how I am. And I am um, crazy excited about everything. Like, I don't, even when I'm like, meh, that was meh. My, what I say is, that was the worst thing ever, you know? <laughs> and then once, once poked and prodded, like, really, was it? And I'm like, no, I mean, I guess it wasn't that bad. But, you know, <laughs> like, but like, I was like, I don't say, oh, I dislike her. I hate her. I hate her, and I want her to go. You there's, know what no, I mean? there's no lukewarm for you. There, there's no lukewarm. There's no, there's no middle ground. And I, and I understand how problematic that is, but I get it, you know? Like, I don't... That's I don't, very serious, yes. Yeah, I don't feel things... Um, Even though he's the one who's like, there's no black and white, and he's still, like, the one the main example of, like, someone who thinks in very black and white terms. Yeah, but I think, and I think what's, like, so um, relatable about it is because I do that. Like, I know that there's no black and white, but I react to things in black and white, and then I have to roll that back, right? So, like, even Mm -hmm. um, with his escape, like, he is being very thoughtful and, um, 
and and not being very not being that reckless. But then when like he gets so close, right? He gets he gets to the fat lady and she won't let him in, and, he's, and then he's just like, bitch, you know? like, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So he's like, he's true. always fighting against that that um that going with his instinct and going and going on um adrenaline like. He and he's seen how that messes him up. Like he has seen the the downside of it, and yet he wakes up every day and he's like, ah! you know, like, <laughs> he's a puppy. He is a puppy. He's a dog. He's a puppy. He is and like a grown puppy that hasn't like he's a grown dog that hasn't grown out of puppy tendencies. But he's a puppy who's just like really excited for everything and is just like ready to go all the time. Yes. <laughs> um. So yeah, he's the best. I don't know, and I think that he loves his friends fiercely um yes and that also gets him in trouble but i do think that he loved peter and his and the betrayal that he feels is why he has to kill him it's not like yeah yeah um like it was so strong that like there's no other option but to like remove this man yes like life and like from their having been a part of that like his the betrayal is so strong where it's like you were one of us we let you in and how dare you like there's no other and when Remus finds out that Peter is alive I think Remus thinks okay I understand serious but like He's also the one person that can clear your name. He's also mm-hmm. um, uh, Remus, eventually Remus is like, you know, he would have killed you, right? But hell, look, chill. Yeah, and I think that Remus is like, Remus is like, oh, you gonna die, but yeah. when it's convenient first. for us, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? But first, yeah. let's, you know, but first let's get what we, you know, get to where we need to be and fix all of the, all of the things that you went wrong. Mm-hmm. So I think um, that team would help so badly. So much of wizarding recording devices man that right. would have been like they could have done what they did and then been like see here's proof that Sirius didn't do it right magic um, makes them all like just lax lax but I'm thinking <laughs> um so I guess who is your MVP for the no we just I guess we did that so then and we all bench Snape I figured yeah that's what I yeah. was and I then we started talking about scabbers and then I thought about it or we started talking about Peter again and then I was like should I but nah Snape fuck him. but you know it's also weird I think I want to bench Voldemort because if Voldemort hadn't <laughs> gone like Peter ain't shit right but if Voldemort hadn't hadn't got him then they would have been the Marauders again like because we can we can blame Peter and he well, like, that's blame, what... but they would have never been the foursome that they were was Voldemort gonna Voldemort Voldemort gonna Voldemort. Yeah, I feel like you could bench Voldemort for everything. (laughs) And if he had, like, right, and if he had, like, gone against any of the other Marauders, he would have gotten a different answer. So, like, no, I'm still benching Peter. I also want to, like, I also want to, like, put forth some, like, goodness for James, like, because he's not my MVP, like, Remus is always my MVP, but, like, we don't really get to talk about James and, like, his, like, he emotionally matured in a way that, like, most people don't. And, and very quickly. Be commended, mm-hmm. you know? Like, yeah, in, a, in, like, a year's time, he basically became, like, went from, like, someone that literally, literally like, basically spat at the side of to, mm-hmm. like, oh, hey, maybe I'm going to marry you one day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, that's commendable. You know what's also interesting? Someone brought this up. I don't know when or where or whatever, but 
Potter permeates every <laughs> aspect of my life, but someone did say that. Facts. Um, James is also dealing with, like, the aging of his parents and, like, their death, and that yeah. probably has mm-hmm. plays a role in how he acts out and lashes out. Um, yeah. So, Lots of fanfic from Marauder's Era deals with that. <laughs> I should get on on the fan. I should read more fanfic, but um, Diana is all flash, remus, and serious. And... You see, okay, you're really exaggerating. <laughs> I read like that. one. I literally read one, and it I was like, I could see that happening. It stuck. With it stuck because it made sense. <laughs> it actually ended up making sense. I was like, yeah, I could see that. But that doesn't mean that I'm like that. I don't just go around reading series and remix slash fic. I don't. I barely you read ship fic them so hard as it is. You ship them so hard. You exaggerate so you much. You just said. You just said the way that they parent. <laughs> well, they definitely parent. Even they co-parent. Even if they, they aren't co-parent. like. Even if it's not romantic or whatever, they definitely co-parent. That's not that's not false. I don't understand why that means that I yeah, I don't understand why that's like Do they not co-parent Robin? I wouldn't say that they do. Okay. Um when we get to Harry doesn't have any damn parents. Who else does he have parent him? Like what the fuck? Everybody just uncle. That, no, there's no such thing as to uncle someone. You parent them regardless of what your actual affiliation with them are. If you are like in a father figure or mother figure role, you are parenting them. Molly co-parents with them too. Molly and Sirius don't really get along, so they got some issues with their co-parenting skills, but they do it. They need co-parenting counseling. <laughs> they need co-parenting counseling. Who did you end up bitching, Robin? I don't know. Voldemort. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't sure if you, some, if you you still make some good that. points about Peter. I don't because yeah, I, 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 I think the thing is is that if Peter if we bench Peter and if Peter doesn't do what he does, he's still a part of the Marauders. You can't have I would love very much to have the Marauders without Wormtail, but that's not a thing. Second billing, man. That's what happens. He's second he, billing, so, that's serious. <laughs> also, since this is a Marauder episode, I just, I mean, we all know Seriously. Like, Seriously. this sort of, like, herb, this, like, herb Potter, like, legend of, like, the fact that Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot, and Prongs die in reverse order. It's oh, just, God, it just needs to be said in this episode. It's the worst. It's, it's the worst. It's the worst, but... It's, it's fine. I can't even like, be mad because I read that passage from know? the Deathly Hollows, so... But did she know? Or, like... Did she come up with the, the order and then it was just like convenient that the diet Right. It could have been a coincidence. I think, I think maybe like, when oh, after happen. Sirius died, she was like, oh. Might as well. Might as well. <laughs> That's probably what happened. Yeah. Like, already, already, I'm already down this path. Because she, she hadn't totally decided on killing Sirius so, initially. Um, oh, true. True. No, it was Sirius yeah. because. Oh, no. Was it? No, it was Remus. You're right. Yeah. She either had, way. I thought she hadn't decided. Because that was, it was the one Remus, that made me right. really mad. But either way, like, though. Remus or Arthur. I know. And I'm like, that's not how that works, though. No. Um, no, I think it was serious because it was either Sirius or Arthur. No, it was either Remus, no, it was or, Remus. or Arthur. 
She said it was Remus. Oh. Sirius has always gone die. Which is why, we, and then we talked about it. It doesn't make sense because they're not in the same book. It's not comparable at all. Yep. It's not comparable Dang. at all. That year five, the year um six would have been awful. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, oh, you killed Huff. Like, she would have had. She wouldn't have been able to do any of the comedic relief that book six had because most of the comedic relief was Ron and he would have had his dead dad and Fred and George and like all of the Weasleys it was just been and like, I think that was like a part of it was like so much of my lightness comes from the Weasleys and there's no way the Weasleys could be light after Arthur dies yeah absolutely no yeah. way um that might have been part of her decision making, and that would that's fine as a and to have as, Ron breathing at the same time as Harry in their sixth year. Yeah, that would have been a lot. And that's fine as your explanation, but why you got to bring Remus into it? Yeah. So then Remus had that. <laughs> why? I still don't understand that project. <laughs> yeah, Remus still could have survived. Um, I think that makes more sense. Is that. She was like, I need some lightness, and I can't do it if Arthur dies. And then she was like, oh, I've already done this pronged pad foot thing. Well. Might as well keep it going. <laughs> and, and it's like, and Wormtail gotta die. So. Wormtail gotta die. He gotta cut. <laughs> that kind of reminds me, so we were gonna, like, segue, but, um, and then end it. But at, we were at the Orphan Black panel, and the Kevin Hanchard, who plays Art, was like, um, they were saying, like, how they think it's gonna wrap up for their characters. And he was like, Either Art gets the answer that he needs or he's got to die. And Connie was like, no. And I was like, oh, <laughs> Art don't die. He got to die. I'm surprised he hasn't died yet. I'm surprised. Like, I've been surprised. You, I'm Art. like, Art's still around? Good for you, Art. Good for him. Straight by. Right? Right. <laughs> that diversity count. Wait, Art. No, do you? But he going to die. He's totally Remus. No. The diversity count? But he's totally Remus, but he's probably going to die. He's he because he's the one that you go to because you need somebody to like talk things out with and he can mm -hmm. also help you but also like he's the guy you like confide dang it <laughs> you I told you I don't know why you all thinking that he wasn't I had death written on him from jump Joe this is all your fault now, Joe. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to this bonus episode. Um, as you can see, we could talk about the Marauders forever because they're the best. Mm -hmm. um, even if Joe hates them, we continue to love them. Okay, so we're going to do a little muggle versus witches thing right now. My brother can... Um, insists that he is part owner of We Black and Nerds. Um, True story. Yeah, so I want to introduce everyone to my older brother, Brandon. Say hello. Hello. He wants to, he insisted that he be on the podcast like Akira before him to defend himself against what he thinks of as slander. Definitely slander. Um, so we're going to give him a quiz. Because I think the only thing that we've ever said about Brandon is that he is a muggle and a huge muggle. Um, that sounds so derogatory. And that you used to, and that and that you used to frame him. I didn't frame him. That too. Just like little sister stuff. Essentially, that's what happened. 
framed him. It's fine. I know plenty of little sisters who did that. Yeah. I mean, and most of the time he probably deserved it. So, um, let's just, like, A, how many, how many complete episodes of Wizard Team have you ever listened to? Zero. Well. Well. Okay, so we're going I'm, to... I'm very nervous. I only listen when I am aware that my name is brought up. Then I just find that portion <laughs> and listen to that. Right. And I always tell you when we bring you up. That is true. So, it's not that I'm secretive about it. Or when my dormant mentions start going crazy. That's a lot. That's another reason why I know that. Uh, yeah, Amani, leave my brother out of the conversation. <laughs> like, he is not a part of Wizard Team. He is a muggle. I am a mudblood. Proud of it. Mudblood and proud. Um, so, I was like... We're going to give you a little quiz on the wizarding world. I told Bayana, we'll just throw any question at him. Don't even prepare because this is literally going to be the, it's, he's, he has come to submit himself for public humiliation yeah. and let's do it. If I get one question right, I am going to consider myself the all know it all person of Harry Potter. If I get one question right. That's not how that works though, but Okay. So, Bayana, do you have a question for Brandon regarding the Wizarding World? Um, sure. What's the name of the train that takes the kids to Hogwarts? I thought they went by boat. <laughs> well, they go by train, but if they went by boat, what would the name be? <laughs> the little engine that could. Okay, it is the Hogwarts Express. Thomas the Tank, well, tank Engine. Express. Okay. What are the four houses of Hogwarts? <laughs> One, two, three, and four. Dumbledore. Are you even Dumbledore, trying? No, Dumbledore. Dumbledore. Are you even no, that's trying? That's a person. That's a person. There is. Who is it? Ravenclaw. Yes. Yes, I win. That's, Test over. That's one. Oh, that's okay. That's, and then that's, there's, that's one of four. Um, the one with the dragon. Oh, that's Game of Thrones. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Uh, so confusing. <laughs> okay, so there's Ravenclaw. There is oh, the Deathly Hollow. Team Cannon. Azerban. Azerban. And uh, that's all I got. All right, Ravenclaw, Hufflepuff, Gryffindor. Oh, I thought Slytherin. Gryffindor was a person. Nope. <sighs> I was. A, I was. My, that was to be my guess. Nope. I thought that was a person. Nope. I mean, it is, it a, is person, a person, but it's a person it's, with all... a house named after it. That's a trick question. Not really. No, not at all. <laughs> um, name one subject that you could learn at Hogwarts. Cribbage. Cribbage. <laughs> is that a card game? <laughs> I thought that was the game that was on the broom and sticks and whatnot. It's not a class, and it's not what it's called. It's not a class. And it's not called cribbage. When I was in school, I took a lot of athletic classes. They counted towards my GPA. It was money. So I thought that was the same that's thing. That's funny. That's, that's, they, I mean, yeah, okay. So well, what is the name of that game then? If it's not cribbage. Quidditch. Quidditch. Same difference. No, uh, no. No, not at all. Um, what are, who, um, what are the name of the family that Harry stays with? Oh man, I really, I really should know this. I know it's not his biological, it's his, it's his aunt and uncle, Correct. Yes, mm -hmm. but what are the na names. what's the name of the family? Potter. <laughs> no. 
No. And why is his name Harry Potter? That's his father's side of the family. So it's, you know, you got two sides of the family, different names. Like me and you. Like Yes, <laughs> like Davis and Jordan. <laughs> I have no idea. Dursleys. I would have never guessed that. Okay, final question, because this is a waste of time. You're a muggle. <laughs> final question. What is the name of the headmaster of Hogwarts? I should know this one, too. I have no idea. It's your answer for everything. It was literally a give me. What is the answer? Dumbledore. Thank you. That was the house, though. Jesus Christ. Get out of my room. It was fun. Get out. Bye. Bye, Brandon. (laughs) Bye, Brandon. Oh, boy. As you can see... My brother is a muggle. He just said those questions were hard. He's complaining about the difficulty of that quiz. My brother is a muggle. All of my torture of him is duly deserved. So thank you guys for dealing with that nonsense. And hopefully now that that's been done, we don't ever have to do it again. Never again. Maybe we'll do a benchmark and he'll get better. Probably not. Probably not. Yeah, we'll see you on Wednesday where we will resume our regular schedule and we'll be discussing Chapter 12 of Prisoner of Azkaban, The Patronus. Um, Make sure to bring your Kleenex because just more of all this, more of it. Fuck that chapter. It's just Remus (laughs) times like four. It's the worst. That chapter is terrible. It's really rough, actually. Terrible. It's very good. And they market this book to children. Mm-mm. <laughs> Basically, Patronus is like everybody you love, gonna, everything you touch going to crumble. Everybody you love going to die. <laughs> See, you cursing all up on that book. <laughs> Till you do right by me. <laughs> Ugh. Brutal. All right. <laughs> I got to go take a sat nap now. We will talk to you guys on Wednesday. <laughs>